Hello everybody and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Janet Garcia. Hey. But that's not all. We keep stacking on more and more people. We have Jeff Marchiafava. Hey! He's here! And we have Kyle Hilliard. Hello. I didn't know it was pronounced Garcia. Garcia! You gotta really, you know, it's a roller coaster ride of emotion. Yeah, everybody's last name is fun. Uh, Hey, on this episode of the podcast, we're talking about E3. Finally unpacking everything about E3 with some fun predictions, E3 calendar, getting you fully prepped for the show. Uh, We're probably going to be talking about some Far Cry 6, and then Leo Vader is going to be joining us to talk a little bit more about E3, and then uh, get into a bunch of great questions that people submitted over on Patreon at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Jeffum, that's the face of somebody... Who knows that I didn't mess up the way I was speaking? Questions. <laughs> Questions. Um, Janet, how you doing? Where's your hype level at? It's it's getting there, I guess. I, it's just such a weird E3 because it's since it's like all digital, it's the first time doing it. They didn't have one last year. Like the trappings are just sort of falling into place later than I think most of us expected. So it makes it like difficult to really start to picture it when there's not like a lot out there to start picturing yeah and so things are falling into place we now know nintendo has locked down a slot other companies have started to lock down the slots there's still some mysteries as of the time of this recording like uh square enix they're probably going to have a press conference like thing but they haven't communicated exactly when that'll be and so uh, playstation is still a little murky but we can unpack all that stuff but uh, I don't know, yeah, where everybody else is at, but I've I've noticed myself get more and more excited, and I'm, even though I'm going to be in my basement in Minnesota, I'm starting to feel like this is like this is kind of like a real E3. Like I think we're going to have a heap and helping of E3 vibes here. It is. Here's so a lot of E3 is always super exciting, but working at uh, Game Informer, there was a bit of like anxiety surrounding it too because yeah. it's very busy. And I feel like this is the first year I'm going into E3 with with none of that anxiety, which is which is pretty cool. Because like even last year, everything was so in the air. We didn't even know. I mean, E3 like wasn't even really a thing last year. But this year, it kind of it does feel like it's happening. And I also when when I was watching the Horizon stuff, I think I watched about I was like ten minutes, twenty minutes behind or something. But mm-hmm. I was like. Oh, almost live and i was definitely getting some of those same like emotions of like oh i'm watching like a really exciting new game be played in front of me for the first time and i'm watching them reveal stuff live and that's like that's an exciting feeling that i haven't had in a while because we didn't really get it last year it was just so weird last year about like okay there are some streams at the end of may then somewhere in july i guess this is kind of like sony's big unveiling for the ps5 was kind of the replacement of what they would have done in the E3 time frame. So trying to piece together what was the analogy for E3 last year was such a mess. But yeah, even though it's specific, you know? Yeah, but still this year, it feels like there's still pieces of that, like Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest and stuff. It's like, okay, that's going to be a big part, but doesn't really feel like E3 proper. Janet, am I nuts? That's not connected to E3, right? That's just the Jeff Keighley show? It's not connected. There are instances where... There's like crossover stuff where different groups are like, we're help. Like, I know at one point, like IGN's helping with like opening night, right. which is also inside of 
E3 kind of not really like basically if you're on if you're doing something during that E3 like season you're sort of like lumped in like I know I was googling before like E3 schedule and they're like here's everything that's ever happened in June oh also E3 (laughs) I wanted one specific thing (laughs) when I googled this and I got a bunch of stuff it's like it's basically the old equivalent of actual E3 where it's like EA EA's not really there, but they're like across the street at a different arena. You know, it's it, everything kind of in the vicinity. It's in the air. Just counts you know? as E3 now. Yeah. Yes. There's okay. going to be great roundups at the end of a bunch of nights where I'm going to be like, oh, this was announced here. This was announced here. This was announced there. That's yeah. cool. I missed that. You know. Right. Right. Uh, whereas before, it was just kind of like the PC gaming show of like, ah, oh, that's kind of like that freak show that there's a couple interesting things from, but we don't really count it as like a big E3 show. And now it's just like a million more versions of that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so IGN's uh, Rebecca Valentine, friend of the show, uh, yeah, she had an article a while ago and the little caption at the bottom made me laugh. So she points out that though Summer Gaming Fest isn't technically part of E3, it comes in right before E3 starts on June 12th. So far, Ubisoft has announced its own major event at the show. A number of other partners have confirmed their involvement and EA has announced its annual event won't be until July. Summer Game Fest is also a distinct event from IGN's Summer of Gaming, which is partnered with E3 2021. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know why people you, would be confused about E3. Um... But I figured it would help folks to just kind of run down the calendar. Y'all can stop me and shout at me whenever you want if you're super excited or or super uh, horrified by anything I'm running down here. Um, But as far as I can tell, this is the calendar. People in the comments, let us know what we're missing for big stuff here. June 9th is going to be the Battlefield reveal. Uh, EA is kind of planted a flag like, you know, they have their big show on July 22nd, but June 9th they're going to be revealing... Battlefield 6, in some capacity, which should be interesting. Then Thursday, June 10th. So that Thursday is the kickoff for Summer Game Fest, where Jeff is going to have, you know, a Jeff Keighley-like show. Uh, he said there's going to be 30 announcements. Expect a lot of updates on, like, living games. There's going to be a concert from Weezer. So hold on to your butts, everybody. But it's an impressive, like, uh, lineup of publishers. Hey, hold on, quickly yeah. plug Please. Uh, the podcast. We did Weezer recently. Oh my gosh, great point. Yeah, our Crossfade <laughs> podcast, our music podcast. Uh, Lizzie uh, Killian, uh, Jeff Corks boss, friend of the show. Huge year for Weezer. But yeah, we covered... They uh, did have a new album this year that I, I like quite a bit, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. What What's going on in your life, Kyle, where you just sit down to listen to music one day and you're like, you know what it's time for? Weezer's new album. Okay, Hanson, uh, you shouldn't be sassing Weezer that much. Like, I love Weezer. I love Pinkerton. In, in That's what Weezer are going to be in all the comments. Like. Yeah, the Green Album was kind of an anomaly because they had like that hash pipe song that was kind of annoying in that Island in the Sun. But all of their other stuff has been as solid as their old, like the Blue Album. Like they have, they have put out many more albums than you would expect, and if you listen to them, you would probably like. Wait, them. whoa, 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 Jeff, are you a big Weezer fan? Like I'm modern always, Weezer? I've been a big Weezer fan since the Blue Album, and I liked Pinkerton, even though Pinkerton got a lot of crap back in the day. I love Pinkerton first and foremost, but even stuff like Hurley, you're listening to and being like, "This is just as good as Blue Album." What's Hurley? Okay, I think I think you draw the line after Hurley. Their last like three or four have been really good and weirdly underappreciated because of people being like, "Oh, Weezer, they release a million albums." It's like, well, the last handful have been good. Jeff, you should have jumped on that CrossFit podcast. Apparently, yeah. Okay. Anyways, the point is, Weezer uh, is going to be a big <laughs> part of E3 2021. That's one thing we know for sure about it. But you know, for the Keeley Summer Game Fest, I mean, he says that. 
publishers are on board like 2K, Activision, Amazon, Bandai Namco, Winky Winky, Blizzard, Capcom, I mean Microsoft, Epic Games, uh, Tencent, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers. Wait, so we're still in we're still in the Keeley show. Yeah, this, this list, is all right? Square Enix. There's gonna be okay, cool. some connection to those publishers in that it's show. It's a lot of good stuff. It's yeah. it's it has a lot of potential. Maybe as like the big showstopper, but a show starter, some would say. Um, but then moving on, uh, June 11th, we have oh God help me, Coach Coke Primetime. I think it's Coke. It's Coke, yeah. K-O-C-H, but, uh, you know, basically part of the Embracer group, and so people are expecting news about the next Saints Row because Volition has been teasing that they're working on something down there. Maybe Dead Island 2, maybe uh, Kingdom Come, Deliverance sequel, something like that. That's one that could quietly, like, be very cool. Yeah. And, like, because they have so many IPs that, like, you don't even realize they own, and they've. I feel like they're out of developers. Yeah. 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 But for all those headlines, it's just about, like, Embracer group embracing every gaming company known to man so it's weird to call this like coke prime time it's like shouldn't you just call it the embracer game fest or something uh then we got june 12th devolver digitals freak show that should be a good time also june 12th uh ubisoft forward uh june 13th is the pc gaming show everybody respects the legend uh sunday june 13th then this is gonna be one of the one of the biggies we got the xbox plus bethesda games showcase um probably something about Starfield. Jeff, what's your prediction? Uh, well, I, I think, have they not said that they're showing Starfield? I don't, I think it was like in we, the we art. We talked about it last, when, last episode. Yeah, when they Jeff had Grubb like the art teasing it. it, they they included yeah. Starfield in there, so it's heavily implied, but cinematic yeah, trailer Grubb's probably. sage wisdom that, it will show up. And also, I just really want to see that game. So I'm, I got my fingers crossed for that. Yeah. I don't know if we're due for like the full, you know, Fallout 4 style. Here's just 30 minutes of gameplay. Let's unpack everything. It's probably going to be cinematic teaser trailer territory. Yeah. yeah. Is there, yeah. is there like a fun and, but just recognizing the absurdity of it announcement for Skyrim on PS5 and Series X, maybe? Is there anything they oh. could add to that at this point? Because they are playable on those platforms and they, you know, but. I feel like they've already beat that dead horse so many times. I mean, maybe not financially, yeah. but just like that joke of like, <laughs> we're Bethesda. Are you aware that Skyrim yeah. has an opening and you can play it on everything? So yeah, we get it. We get it. Um, but yeah, that's possible. I mean, Jeff Grubb mentioned the last episode of the podcast. It, yeah. yeah, probably like Arcane <laughs> Austin will reveal their project there. I'm predicting, we're not in the full predictions territory yet, but Janet. Get ready for this. My prediction is at the end of this showcase, the most exciting thing we'll see is Rares Everwild. Mm. I think like a big gameplay, just explanation, deep dive, if you will, into Everwild, that bizarre game that seems like Monster Hunter, except you're like running down these fantastical creatures to pet them harder than your co-op buddies or I don't know what's going on. Friendly, beautiful Monster Hunter, whatever the hell is going on with Everwild. I think that's going to be really exciting. Um, That's a good prediction. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Tuesday, June 15th, another biggie. We got the Nintendo Direct. Janet. Exciting. Are you going to be on the edge of your seat for this sucker? Absolutely, because I have no shame. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love Nintendo, and that just is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited when Nintendo does anything. I'm not necessarily happy with what they do, but (laughs) I'm excited to see it. Um, Yeah, I live for it. The little... A little snap? Yes, I'm ready to go. It's <laughs> going to be so much hype. And just let's say it all now, everybody. 
Please keep expectations in check. Let's lower those just a couple notches and, you know, for your own mental health, everybody. Uh, but what they're communicating right now is they say tune in for roughly 40 minutes of info focused exclusively on software. So no hmm. Switch Pro, but the rumors were that what was going to be before that. that. Yeah. Mostly releasing in 2021 for the Nintendo Switch is the way they frame it. And then Treehouse Live they say stick around after the Nintendo Direct presentation for roughly three hours of deep dives, not the deepest dive because they're cowards, um, into select games with those who know them best at Nintendo's uh, Treehouse staff. And the guests, they stream live gameplay and commentary. Normally those are like that, uh, three days or something. It's crazy. That Treehouse Live stuff is sneaky, man, because that's where they hid uh, Samus Returns, which I'll always, I remember like covering that show and rubbing my hands together being like all right time to head to the show floor to do some work and it was like oh by the way here's a new metroid game i was like what yeah and i thought it was really but, rude um, that when they announced that they said here's a new metroid game i think that's inappropriate yeah. for the official reveal but that's certainly yeah, how it good felt game too. Good but that, game. that was also the place where they just played like the opening two hours of breath of the wild mm-hmm. and stuff like that like there's there's cool stuff there, but it's like it's 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 easy to miss for sure but it's weird to just have it be one day just a three hour span like before, yeah. it was such a such a huge event, but still, yeah, we'll be we'll be looking at that stuff for sure. Uh, then also Tuesday, June fifteenth, then uh, it all kind of wraps up by and large with the E three awards show, uh, which they say is celebrating the most anticipated games. So I don't think they'll have reveals there. I think they communicated, don't expect reveals, but it's just going to be some sort of awards show where they say, Far Cry 6, looking good. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of stuff yeah, like that. Awards for anticipated games? That's the way they phrase it. Yeah. Is this a, Maybe this is a dumb question, but this is new, right? They don't, they've never done that before, right? Right. They've always, they've, they've, they've always had like some form of, I mean, not the awards show itself, I think might be new, but there's always awards like given. And so yeah, the outlets will give awards for what they saw at E3 and stuff, but E3 themselves, I, but I, I, but for a moment I had this like thing where I was like, have they always done that? And I just never took notice. No. I, I wasn't sure. I wonder if it is just that replacement since there's not a physical E3. And so, you know, outlets can't walk around with their ever increasing best of E3 awards and slap them on the booth. Like, but publishers really rely on having that you know, buzzword for their trailers about like awarded most promising game at E3. And so maybe this is just some way to appease the publishers. So they still have that branding for promotion. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so who knows what that'll be like, but I guess I'll watch it. Um, and then they have steam next fest starting June 16th, going through the 22nd. So a uh, bunch of small announcements on steam and sales and probably all that fun stuff. Um, Square Enix, like we mentioned, Missing in action as of the time of this recording, but they're probably going to be coming in soon. I mean, seemed like it was leaked pretty heavily. Final Fantasy Origin, which we talked about on the last episode of the podcast. Uh, Final Fantasy 16, probably new trailer there. Um, I would not expect more on Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2. Janet, am I nuts for just being a little bit pessimistic about when that thing's coming? And so, would they have 16 to talk about? Would they really jump the gun on remake part two i don't think we're gonna see remake part two for a while but it does beg the question when do we feel like we can expect it and i don't really have a feeling for that either i think they just sort of the timeline has become so chill that i don't even feel the (laughs) need to ask for it i'm like like you know what maybe it'll be take a long time maybe it'll be a few games eight games 
no game we won't film it just don't finish it you know like it'll get there <laughs> when it gets there um and i don't think a second sooner so yeah i wouldn't mm. i wouldn't i would be surprised if i saw it i mean i think it'd be super exciting and it'd be a really convenient timeline with what they're doing um with like all the other like you know from the i think they had like a next gen enhancement too in addition to like um was it integrate right well yeah and yeah like, that's coming out june right? 10th like so. it's some like but final fantasy sounding buzzword yeah like yeah. having all that it would be like a great way to conjure up excitement but i just don't think that's realistic timeline wise like they haven't given any indication that that happened yeah i think there will like a trailer will start with the final fantasy 7 remake font and we'll kind of be like whoa what, what i can't believe this but what it will be is just a reminder that the integrate dlc is out and it'll be like a new trailer yeah. for that released that's dlc good. Yeah. Which is like not uncommon, you know, that does happen sometimes. But the weird outlier here, and Killslayer in the backstage pass watching us live at that ten dollar tier on Patreon, uh, he points out that Square Enix is apparently set to be at the officially three, but not sure if they have their own thing planned. Yeah, I, I wanted to think I thought they said somewhere that they were doing a press conference, but it could just be piecemeal parts of other press conferences. But the weird part there is that they are so tied in with Sony now for sixteen and seven remake, and if Sony's not gonna be there who would host Square announcing these things? It seems like, especially with Sony not there, Square would be propelled to maybe stand out on their own. But um, on that Sony front, who knows what's going on? Um, They might do like a big kind of summer state of play. You know, last year they had a couple things kind of in that window, but nothing really official for a while here. Um, But today, uh, on Wednesday, they announced on the PlayStation blog, they had kind of like a you know, Q&A interview. It's always weird when the PlayStation blog does an interview with Herman Holst from PlayStation. Um, Yeah, head of Worldwide Studios. Um, But there were some interesting tidbits in there. Number one seems to be the official confirmation of God of War both being delayed until 2022. Not even like a window in 2022, but just vague 2022. And then also that it's going to be cross-gen, which we've all thought, assumed, some people have probably hoped for, some people have probably cursed the thought of but it is coming to playstation 4 as well so you can play god of war ragnarok or whatever they're going to call it then Um, yeah and i i saw a brief snippet from that interview that he said um that horizons on track for coming out this holiday but that it's just not final yet and so they're just not saying anything official which kind of ties back to our conversation from last week as well that actually has me a little bit worried so here's his wording on horizon he says for horizon forbidden west we think we are on track to release this holiday season but that isn't quite certain yet and we're working as hard as we can to confirm that you to you uh, confirm that to you as soon as we can i i don't know the last time a game developer was like, oh, we're getting this done faster than we thought. Like, that definitely reads as we're probably looking at 60% chance it's also bumped to 2022. Early and under budget. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so, who knows there? Also, uh, Gran Turismo 7 is also coming to PlayStation 4. That seems like a big one. It's like, but the racing game, you want that to like, that should be the big powerhouse showcase thing for the next gen, but... That's fine. More people will play it and buy it. Um, also, tidbits from there. Uh, Herman Hall said, um, oh, he said that we have more than 25 titles in development. Almost half of them are new IP. He confirmed that Sony Bend is working on very exciting new IP uh, that is building on the deep open world systems they developed with Days Gone. Uh, and then also, they talk a little bit about Sony games coming to PC and he mentioned like Days Gone came to PC two years later and everybody seemed happy about it. So that might be a rough idea of what they're thinking is just uh, roughly two years down the line, Sony games could come to PC. 
it mm-hmm. is there any world that where that new Sony Bend game would be another zombie game and just not in Days Gone? Because when they're talking about like we're building on all the systems, it's like other than the horde, you know, running around and stuff. Right. Like what systems were so special about that game that aren't in every other open world game? Well, that was Days Gone. You can sell it because yeah. they made it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's maybe that I think it's trying to just hint at the fact that it's going to be similarly structured. Like, I just think in terms of like how you know, the classic map fog, having the yeah. encampments, like the idea of those things, I think that that's sort of Vehicle my reading on it. Maintain something like that. Yeah, I hated me. I hated filling that thing up with gas. I <laughs> oh okay. really? I like that. No, quick take. Why I worked on the guide for Days Gone. I didn't oh, no. finish the guide for Days Gone. We had to freelance it out because I was taking too long. Like I had to go to some other project. Um, because the game was like super long for no reason. Yeah. And one of the things I was working on was clearing up the map fog. And I was driving my little bike around, and I ran out of gas. And I was like miles from the next gas station. I. I threw a podcast on and I walked myself all oh my the God. way to wherever I, I, I needed to go. So, yeah, um, I did like, the you know, I think the customization elements, though, and stuff was cool. And I did like what they were going for with that. I just found it a little more annoying than immersive. Um, but I imagine yeah. that's what they mean when they say building on yeah, the systems. Because, sure. yeah, there's not room. I don't. I don't think they're necessarily gonna be like it's a it's a horde, but now it's like stuffed animals you can give hugs to instead of zombies. Yeah. Well, but, no, they could find yeah. like to see it. Oh, I wouldn't say no to that. I mean, yeah, it sounds great. They could make. Yeah, a and horde. I guess it's it's no oh. small task to also for Sony Ben to get up to speed and like have all of those systems into place, even if they're not you know the most innovative yeah. in terms of all the other open world games out of there. I'm sure that's those skills will come in handy for whatever game yeah or maybe next. they can make their first zombie game because the last one was a freaker game and so this is oh, this is all about that's zombies. right yeah. yeah can you imagine oh my god that headline that's too, that's too <laughs> no impossible. no this is zombies those were freakers completely different <laughs> uh okay let's get to some bold e3 predictions and just to be clear i didn't confirm it with any of you ahead of time but if we know anything top secret, we're not doing that cheeky crap of, I'm predicting this, because you know what's happening. Because honestly, I know nothing. Uh, I am completely in the dark on this stuff. Does anybody have nothing. any whispers? Janet, no, you're hip. The public rumors. Okay. No. All right. I, have, I, I know nothing. I know <laughs> nothing and was told nothing. I don't know anything. Love it. Um, okay. How do you like to deal with this, Janet? You think we should go for like the biggest, boldest predictions, or do we start with the layups? What do you think? I think what I think the first thing you're most passionate to talk about. Mm. Okay. Do you got one on that list? Sure. Uh, Breath of the Wild two release date. Release date. Like it's kind of like it's like a layup type prediction. Not that it's going to necessarily happen for sure, because I think. It, I feel like we definitely will see it. Um, the release date's a little bit ambitious, but I'm thinking again. Time is a flat circle. If Horizon's on track for holiday, guess who's coming down that track? It's Breath of the Wild 2, and we're reliving our lives. Is it, you say, is it just release date, or you're you're saying it that, like, is part of your prediction what the release date will be? Ooh, that's a good question. I just wrote down release date. Oh, if I were to predict the release date, it's going to be whenever the Switch Pro comes out, but we don't know that that's even coming out. And all all we do know about the Switch Pro is that we won't hear about the physical item at E3 or the specifications of the item. But the implication is if the rumors are true, we would have already heard about it. And then I would imagine E3 would include things like if there are any exclusives, if there are any like optimized for Switch Pro, we'd see that Mm. there. So 
I guess in the world where the Switch Pro doesn't come out, I would say Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, maybe... I'm going to go holiday 2021. Why not? Okay. We, Nintendo had kind of a quiet year in terms of things that are exclusive and really exciting on their platform. Uh, yes, Shade to Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Didn't think that was a good game. Um, and they do have, you know, um, Pokemon coming out in November and then again in January. So it's not like they don't have big stuff. I don't know if those two would be too competitive. Obviously, again, Pokemon Company, not Nintendo. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, why not? We'll throw it for holiday. Why not? I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is definitely the E3 to finally reveal the name of the Breath of the Wild sequel. Maybe like a gameplay light trailer where it's largely like environment fly throughs. Remember, there was that big Breath of the Wild trailer was really just showing off the environments. I think something like Developers that. Developers there, line. they snap, then the world's dark. You know, it's yeah. the same thing. Just change the background. Yep. Anuma will talk. Anuma's in front of a green screen, ready to explain yeah. things. They could have that same footage of Anuma and Miyamoto playing off screen that they did for Breath of the Wild, except they'll just put the new game in there and use that old footage. Um, but <laughs> I, I still, I'm hesitant on the release date thing. I think so many big publishers now, because of COVID, because of everything else, are kind of slowing their roll a little bit on release date. Um, and keeping it nice and vague. But you're totally right. It, with the Switch Pro, even if they're vague about the release date, you know that they're aiming to sync those up for whenever that hits. Um, Kyle, I assume Breath of the Wild is top of your stack too, right? Uh, no, I was scared of it. I was scared yeah. to kind of put any big stamps down on that um, because I think if any game... It, I don't know how COVID has affected Nintendo in a big bad way, but if there were any game that they were willing to just push out forever i think it would be that game you know what i mean like it was the original was such an important switch uh partner but i feel like the second one is like i man i wouldn't be surprised if it's even further out than than i than we hope you know yeah some kind of end of the generation kind of like you know skyward sword style like thing you know well even like the wording from the last Nintendo direct from anuma was i believe he had something very cagey about like we will try to deliver more information about Breath of the Wild sequel this year. Wasn't it something like yeah. that? So that that has me a little bit worried yeah. now that I think about it. Um, if you want, if you want me to go next, though, sure. And keep on the Nintendo train. Uh, Metroid Prime Four details, like a trailer that shows a new art logo. direction. <laughs> Lo- yeah, honestly, yeah, like like we get to see Samus's character model. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like we see a lot of gameplay. Yeah. Maybe we see some in-engine stuff, but like after this year, we will have a better idea of what the game will look like from an art perspective. And what you about I mean? the the greatest myth in the gaming industry, the idea of this Metroid Prime Trilogy remaster? Will they sync it up with that? I think so. I mean, that's been, that's so funny because that's like just first what two three years now it's been like oh well they've finished that thing it's just sitting on a shelf it's sitting on a computer hard right. drive they just need to send it to a car someone supposed to take that out it's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. right i thought you were doing uh, it but like i'm trying to think if there's a precedent for that because i remember like a year or two ago when we were talking predictions that was i remember being coming down hard on that and being like yes they're gonna have that right before metroid prime 4 to let everyone get caught up but now i'm like thinking back on it now i'm like I don't know if there's like a precedent for that. Like, have they, they, it's not like they had Mario 3D All Stars ready to go right before Super Mario Odyssey came out or any, or anything comparable like that, you know? Catch up on the story. But yeah, I, I feel like Metroid, the, the collection 
I mean, it, it could go either way. If I had to pick a way, I would say it's not going to come out. I feel like they just don't care about Metroid on that level to give it a collection like that. And, you know, I, I don't, as excited I don't think that's an unfair was, statement. As excited as I was when, uh, you know, Samus is, returns, right, for the 3DS, yep. Kyle, that had dropped, yeah, on, on the yeah. in Treehouse, where it's like, why are you announcing things at Treehouse? This is not what it's for. Um, I was like, oh, so cool, more Metroid. But then I didn't buy it, and I don't think I'm alone in that feeling. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of Metroid more than I think I necessarily support the IP, and that's not an unfamiliar sentiment, so I'd be a little surprised to see it. Um, I also think that one's one of those rumors where, like, is it a rumor or is it something that we just keep saying we'd like and that we think makes sense more so than, you know, uh, I guess more founded. I mean, you know, we've had like people like I don't I guess I've, I know of one I've person, heard people say yeah. people that I trust have said specifically that it's done, that it has existed. But I mean, you know, no one knows anything ultimately. But that doesn't mean <laughs> Nintendo's going to release it. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. I think Nintendo has a like a giant rug that has all their different like a roadmap for all their different games of when to release it. Yeah. And then like once every six months, they put in like three cats in the room mm-hmm. and whichever ones they sit on are which games are going to get released. And so we're still just waiting for one of those cats. It's big giant little jazz there. Yeah. On that Metroid trilogy. <laughs> you know, that certainly explains Metopia on Switch. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I like that game. It cow. does. You know, <laughs> Nothing it against makes, that game. But it honestly it makes... I, to see it in the store. It makes a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Anybody else have other Nintendo predictions? Uh, mine was that they're going to... I know they said no physical stuff at E3, but I'm going to guess that discludes some kind of ridiculous Labo-like gadget game hybrid thing. Mm. Gadget. I mean... They already got their freak quota met by the game garage, which is going to be out what June tenth. No, well, that's right not freaky that. enough. Not they, freaky enough. Clank. Okay, there we go. <laughs> they need something physical, even though they said they're not going to talk about physical stuff. They still need a new dumb thing that okay. they can sell to children. The Zelda train set. It's Ooh, happening. No. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's to, big, pretty to good. piggyback off of Jeffum's prediction here, I wonder if there's an, like a Ring Fit two. That incorporates Ooh, some yes, yes, yes. secondary piece of hardware. You know, you still use the ring and the leg piece, but then there's like a headband a or hat. something. Yeah, a hat that <laughs> squeezes your head while you play for some reason. <laughs> Makes your If anyone's going to microchip me, I want to be Nintendo. Yeah. Have at <laughs> it, Nintendo. Um, if I, it'll be made out of cardboard, it's fine. It's not that serious. Um, yeah, I'd love to see something stupid. Give me something stupid, yeah. I am on stupidity. <laughs> Speaking of maybe something, something stupid, stupid that I will 100% buy the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, something something absolutely intended for a child and parent and my single self is going to buy it and leave it on this shelf <laughs> behind me. <laughs> have I played this game and watch? No, but I would buy it again. In a heartbeat. <laughs> I forgot I have one of those. Um, yeah. So a while ago, maybe like last week, um, dear friend of the show, Hideo Kojima, uh, tweeted out a picture of him like at a computer squinting and it said like, hard at work or something i think i think we are going to get a kojima tease at e3 probably at the summer game fest jeff keely love a palooza right yeah do you want me to read my kojima sense. one hansen please kojima will have something new maybe death stranding 2 maybe something else but we will learn that kojima's next game is in production is what i wrote okay word mm. for word and i'll, I'll, so I'll be more specific i think it's going to be a smaller scale project 
than Death Stranding. It's going to be just a weird little oddity. Maybe mixed media oddity will be my big prediction for the next Hideo Kojima thing. Uh, Jeffum, you got a good prediction? Um, I don't know if it's good. Only the good but ones. But I'm going to guess that every third-party game that Microsoft shows at their showcase is going to be in Game Pass. Ooh, that's like the Ooh. blanket they say at the top. Yes. Or at the very end. Mm. Just throw that stunner in at the end. Yeah. You know, I, that's I was thinking about Game Pass 2, Jeffum, and I was like, what is the big game that would be crazy that they revealed is coming to Game Pass? And I was like, rubbing my chin, I was like, ooh, what about like Madden? Like that would be, and then I was like, wait, I think Madden already is on Game Pass because EA EA's thing is wrapped into Game Pass. So like, I don't yeah. know what the big game could be, you know? C- Cyberpunk, but maybe, yeah. I mean, at the same time, I think I was thinking a lot about just the bizarre flip from probably every press conference clamoring to get cyberpunk on that stage and now this year it's like don't come near me with that crap please, <laughs> like please, even though like a lot of people are probably going to play and enjoy the you know current gen version of it uh, that's releasing i guess sometime later this year in theory um still it's like they just do not want that name on their stage tarnishing the good name of everwild i don't know <laughs> yeah um okay that's good uh let's see I hmm there's a lot of predictions that probably aren't going to happen bah, 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 bah. okay here's a Classic. small one <laughs> small one but I think we will see the next game from the Sonic Mania team Christian Whitehead and that team mm. they released Sonic Mania years ago they have the tech so it's probably going to be a game that looks kind of Genesis 16 bitty um, and they formed that new studio called Evening Star I could see that being an announcement at the Jeff Keighley thing or squeezed in somewhere else it's going to be some Genesis throwback sweet looking game but not Mania 2. No, like he left Sega. Yeah, so this is this is a separate okay. deal. Yeah. So something that just feels like a new Genesis game. But not gotcha. to be confused with Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. You understand what I mean. Um, let's see. Anybody else got a good one? Um, infinite stuff. But I don't know. Okay. If I don't think they're going to do a release date. Now I'm like, I, at first I wrote release date, but then I'm like, Will they though? I mean, it'd be nice if they had it, but I don't think they necessarily have that ready to go. But I do feel like getting something with that would be ideal because it was train wrecks kind of dramatic, but it was like a pretty rough go when it was like kind of first shown off, a lot of negative pushback, and then ultimately delayed. And then it was like, you got your Series X, and you're like, I guess I'll try to finally play Slime Rancher. Maybe that was just me, but I booted <laughs> that thing up day one, so excited, and I had nothing. Yeah. I had nothing. I just spent the, the night installing games that I ultimately never played. And I, and I love Xbox. This is not a slight to Xbox. But it, it lacked that, you know, launch lacked that feeling of cohesion. You know, when that you have conversations bot, with people. You know? Yeah, like there was no shared conversation. Even though, like, again, Xbox, you know, love the controller, love the hardware, love a lot of the philosophies. But when I turned that thing on, I didn't have anything to play. So I do think Halo is still, you know, the big tent pole and that we'd see something from it. But I'm uh, so-so on a release date. But I, I think they've previously said 2021. I think release date for that one, just to go back on everything I said earlier and everything I've ever stood for. I think them saying like, okay, the fall or the holiday season, please look forward to Halo Infinite. I, I think that's likely just to have Microsoft try and get back some of that confidence, some of the excitement around the console. They really got to land holiday. that though because if they delay, I mean, if, you, if they delay it ultimately, like it's just delayed, like no one's going to really, <laughs> there's not a huge, huge fallout from that anyway, but I just don't know if they could, 
if they could hit whatever they do put out there. But if they have it, I mean, that would be awesome. That would be very exciting. Yeah, I bet they have a gameplay demo of Halo Infinite. And, you know, they said they're reworking the art, reworking some of the tech. But at the same time, I bet it's like night and day, completely different looking area than the Halo Infinite demo we saw last time, just to avoid any of those direct oh, yeah. comparisons. Like, this is going to yeah. be, like, you know, a dark library-like environment from Halo 1 or something, just so that people can't be like, eh, you haven't improved it that much. But I'm sure people will still say it. <laughs> um, tweet's drafted. Yeah, yeah, tweet drafted. Uh, let's see, here's a prediction. Uh, Quantic Dreams, new game, will be revealed somewhere. They're not with Sony anymore, independent, but Detroit Become Human was... I mean, three years ago? Seems like they're probably due for at least a cinematic tease. And that seems like the level that that a Jeff Keighley boy could could pull in is an independent Quantic yeah. Dream reveal. The David Cage yeah, was on the... Keighley written all over it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cage was on the Game Maker's Notebook recently. Yeah. Had, uh, prize. Yep, it yep. Was, it's interesting. Yeah, listen interesting to that. It's... It's kind of the stock questions. They're like, what do you think about acting in, gay, in games? It's like, come on, man. Come on, Ted Price. Come in with something new. It's just you're giving David Cage his talking points, man. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, oh, what about this one? Uh, Patrice Desolais from Assassin's Creed fame, creative director for Assassin's Creed out of the gate. Um, his last game was Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey that was not very well reviewed or received. Um, I think the revival of his old open world project called 1666 colon Amsterdam will be revealed at E3 as that team's next game, Panache Games. Yeah, because so they, they'll be, they oh, got go that ahead, back from Ubisoft, right? So, well, no, he left Ubisoft. Oh God, how did it work? THQ had it for a while, but then he actually said that Panache Games and he himself actually got the rights from THQ. But here's my twist. Okay. I'm predicting it comes back and that because it has that association with THQ, that THQ Nordic slash Embracer Group is going to be the publisher for this revival of this open world game, which uh, Eurogamer had an article about it saying that the gist of the game was to be worse than the devil, and you could control malign creatures like ravens, rats, and black cats. And so Patrice has talked about the game recently, saying he wants to go back to it, uh, and here is his quote about the game, also from Eurogamer. He said, I want to do a game about the devil. I hate horror movies. I hate the subject matter for some reason. So it's a challenge for me. I love Amsterdam. <laughs> and I like the hey. fact I like the fact that there was a year called 1666. So I want to do it. I love everything well, about that a- quote. I also like how you read <laughs> the devil. <laughs> I mean, it's right there that's, in italics. It's really spinning it. That's a... Just a great idea all around. <laughs> that, that can't miss. Also, do you think if the devil's coming back or, in, or like making evil incarnate, do you think he's really caring about black cats that much? <laughs> is that is that like a... Yeah, it's the same cats that picked the Nintendo games from under the rug. Yeah. Oh, he's... Oh, Satan's controlling Nintendo's release calendar? He's going to make them sit on the games that no one wants. Yeah, if you're Satan, <laughs> and if you're Satan, please let us know in the comments, but if you are Satan, like, wouldn't you want, like, I'm taking a blue whale. It's a, it's a very distinct difference between the devil and Satan. <laughs> uh, you want to take, like, the scariest, biggest animals. Like, you want, like, an army Wait, of... what is that line? Yeah, is there a difference? Uh, the devil is like in a red leotard holding a plastic pitchfork. Satan is okay. like genuinely scary. Wait, what are you talking about? They're the exact same. 
So same. No, they're completely different. I don't know why you're confused. about One you had nightmares about, and one you like dressed up for Halloween as. Is that your distinction in your mind, Kyle? Yeah, one does a lot of hay work down in the underworld, (laughs) where hay burns on contact. That's a David Cross. That's a tough gig. Tough gig. (laughs) Um, Okay. Anybody else got a big swing out there? Actually, I Uh, thought of a Game Pass one. Ooh, yeah. Cool. Uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Ooh, that's good. That's very good, Kyle. It's coming to Xbox, and it's on Game Pass. Yep, it'll be like a year since it first came out. Oh, that's a lock, baby. That's fantastic. You heard it here. You heard it first. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Heard it, heard it, heard it. I got one. Ubisoft. Yeah. They're going to show off Skull and Bones again, but this time it's going to be a full open world game. Okay. Third person. No yep. way. <laughs> like running around going the to, land. Going to islands as a pirate. That's what we wanted in the first place. I think they took the last 14 years or whatever they've been working <laughs> on it. Just said, give it to the Assassin's Creed guys. Turn it into an actual game. So here's what they do. So they've shown like walking around on docks and stuff before. But here's the demo. It's like Skull and Bones is back. And they're on the high seas and they're shooting cannons at each other. And it's, hi ho, we're upgrading our ship. All that fun stuff. And then one of the ships like crashes into an island and all the pirates are like what do we do what do we do and then the captain goes charge and then they all jump off the ship and run across the open world and the camera pulls back Skull yeah but that that water part at the beginning can yeah. only be like five seconds long otherwise everyone's gonna check out <laughs> so they gotta get through that real fast and then be like no no it's a real pirate game right we don't even like water We've, we're gonna drain the ocean for this game and we it, promise and the announcer is gonna be jerry seinfeld in that pirate <laughs> shirt that he had i don't want to be a skull and bones presenter uh okay that's good uh here's one that i'm a little iffy on but i'm sorry i'm not iffy on i'm 100 confident this is happening uh xcom 3 i think we'll see uh it's been a while chimera squad was april of 2020 so that smaller game is recent ish and, and would, did that ever come to consoles Ooh, i don't think so maybe that's no, the announcement. that's so. probably a better announcement you're totally right like in the nintendo Re- direct just like a quick thing about chimera squad coming yeah mm. you're right that's what i meant to say is chimera squad coming to nintendo switch everybody please look forward to it uh let's see any other zingers out there for anybody so don't have anything on uh, the next forza horizon right yeah other than i think it was leaked that they are working on it which i thought that team would be full on for fable um but apparently it's still split over there for what is the name of that studio? playground studios so i feel like that is oh i'm gonna go forward to horizon five and uh i'm also hoping one thing i really want from these conferences i don't know if we're gonna get it is like the pageantry of a traditional in-person event. Mm. So, like, I want to see a car come onto the stage. I want to see, <laughs> you know, flames. I want to feel the flames. Uh, you don't need Keanu Reeves again, because, you know, for obvious reasons. But, like, I need something a little dumb and over the top. Like, this is games media. Like, if someone needs to be dressed up as, like, a mascot and doing something a little silly, I need a live musical performance that takes seven minutes of a 28-minute conference. Like, we need that kind of energy. I so need a walkway to light up as a recognizable developer walks down, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the, their name really big in the back. Even though, I don't know, panning to a fake... Those fake Sony people, they should bring those people back Ooh. again. The Sony oh, shadows. Yeah. 
Yeah, or like, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like a liberating thing not to have that stage because they could reveal Forza Horizon 5 where they're like, all right, cutting now to the roads of, I don't know, Switzerland or whatever is going to be set. It's just like sure. somebody actually in the car and then they have like a drone footage showing off like this car driving through the mountains live. That'd be kind of cool. And you think it's real life, but then you realize the game just looks that good. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know. Perfect. Day cool. one game pass. I mean, yeah. To kinda, um, to, to jump off your shoulders there, um, with the, talking about playground, I did have one of mine written down. Was it's kind of like my Metroid prediction, where it's like we don't really see gameplay, but we get a better idea of what the game's going to feel like and look like for Fable. Okay, like we'll see like something more in depth for Fable, but probably still not gameplay. You know, right, right. Yeah, I wonder if Obsidian's game Avowed. That's the name of that thing, right? I can't remember the name of that. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I want since Elder Scrolls Six is probably not going to be here in any way. It's like, would Microsoft now be like, uh? Let's go ahead and try and give a vow. It's time of the sun before we have to start pushing Elder Scrolls Six. So they might be eager to start promoting that. So maybe this year would be a good year to really get into gameplay there if Obsidian's ready. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Thank you. Uh, here's one. Um, I think Monolith Productions, the Warner Brothers studio, even though Warner Brothers seems to be shattered into a million different corporate directions right now, um, I think they'll reveal their game at uh, Keeley Summer Game Fest. I think it's going to be separate from the Shadow of War series, separate from Middle-earth, but whatever the hell they're working on, which has been shockingly under wraps. Like, there's not even rumors popping up that I've seen about that. Um, but I think we'll see the next thing from the developers of Shadow of Mordor. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good studio. Uh, I, I just have EA new Star Wars game written down. I don't know. They gotta do something, right? Ah! Uh- are do we, they? Are we, what about like a Fallen Order 2? Are we there yet? I mean, Ooh, how long ago was that? That's now? really that was, good, actually. Years, that was 2019, right? right? It was 2019. Yeah. So just a teaser. I mean, they basically, I mean, they've already said they're working on it, I believe. Um, but just to have some logo reveal or a name reveal, something like that, that seems doable. No. And like, we might even see, you know, the next era of Star Wars games, like since the EA deal is kind of wrapping up. Yeah. I and mean, we might see that Knights of the Old Republic remake from Aspire that uh, Jason Schreier and other folks have been talking about. Um, so I could see that popping up on some stage. I don't know who would be publishing that. Oh, I think that's an Embracer group joint, isn't it? So maybe at yeah, Coke I, Media. I wonder if E3 is on Disney's radar at all. Like, like mm. do they look at it and say like, hey, you know, we're obviously... Like they go crazy about Comic-Con and everything else because of all their, you know, comic book movie series and all those kind of things. I wonder if if they're savvy enough to care about video games that much. I mean, to be like, you got to you got you guys got to start like rolling out announcements for, you know, these games. I think so. You say, are they savvy enough? I mean, I'm sure Mickey Mouse sitting in the corporate towers and savvy enough. But you got to remember, they have like John Drake and a good games team now that's at least doing outreach and. They're certainly aware of E3, you know. Yeah. But Backstage Pass is reminding us very correctly that Ubisoft announced they were making that open world Star Wars game. So maybe we'd see that Star Wars game from the Division team at Ubisoft's press yeah. conference. Yeah, something. I think you gotta give us something. That's real good. Uh, let's see. I could see Shadow Drops happening. I think Final Fantasy VII First Soldier, that... Uh, mobile battle royale. I think that'll be shadow dropped maybe during Keeley's thing. Let's see if they have Square as a partner for the the big Keeley Fiesta. Yep. Uh, so I can see that happening because they're doing the beta right now, um, I guess, but no release date confirmed. 
I could see Ubisoft Shadow Drops, like either Riders Republic, that weird racing game, or that roller derby game that seems like it's been in development for 400 years. I think just too realistically. Like two, three years ago? Yeah. I don't know if it's getting skull and boned over there or what's happening, but it's been a while. (laughs) I hate everything about that verb. (laughs) So rough. Um, I think, like, this is super super small, but I think um, 12 minutes... Uh, release date. I'm just big on the mm. release date train, but with the reveal trailer, it was originally shown off at E3 2019, I believe on the Xbox stage, so I could see that making a reappearance. Because um, usually there's like a, at least a small section of that showcase that highlights indies, um, and I feel like specifically Microsoft has been pretty big on, on pushing indies as well, uh, just in general, so I think that'll finally get its release date. That's which good. I'm really looking forward to that game, so I hope so. That's good. I know I, back when we were predicting things to be announced and revealed in 2021, I, I went to bat for this, and I'm going to do it again because it has been eerily quiet, but uh, the director of my favorite Final Fantasy, Kyle, uh, Final Fantasy XV, uh, Tabata, his new studio, JP Games, they announced a while ago that they were developing a game about the Paralympics, and they have been radio silent about that for years now, and it seems like the type of thing that... That's like a good feel-good story. Like, let's focus on the Paralympics during E3. So it seems like even a Microsoft yeah. would want just that positive PR on their stage. So I could see folks scrambling for that if that project even exists. I mean, Olympics were delayed, so maybe they're like, oh, thank God, we have more development time to actually <laughs> make this thing happen. Didn't stop Sonic and Mario. <laughs> Nothing can stop them. Uh, I, got a, I got a Battlefield 6 one. Yeah. Uh, just that it's going to have some kind of free-to-play element. Ooh, interesting. Mm. To it. I, I think they're looking at Call of Duty, Warzone, and what that's been doing and being like, hey, maybe this is the future. So like one game mode is free to play or something like that? Yeah, something like that. I think that's a really smart well, bet. I mean, that's the Halo approach, right? right. The multiplayer is going to be free, right? So, Yeah, yeah, could be. Uh, by the way, yeah, they had a story... Uh, that apparently the former general manager for Call of Duty and Destiny left Activision and joined EA to kind of oversee Battlefield. So it's kind of a sign of confidence in the Battlefield brand moving forward. So yeah, I'd imagine that person is running over into that office being like, you guys, if we make a free-to-play version of this, we get to print money forever. <laughs> and probably some mobile Battlefield versions as well. well. I, hold on. Yeah. They did try it already, right? With Battlefield Heroes? I love Battlefield Heroes. Yeah. It was yeah. really uh, Fortnite before Fortnite. Go back and like look at that art style for Battlefield Heroes. Also, a Battlefield theme that is almost as good as the main Battlefield theme. That Battlefield Heroes theme is so good and so catchy. Uh, let's see, other rapid fire things? Anybody got some? Yeah, I got one. Please. Uh, Bandai Namco is going to come out at at one of, maybe maybe Jeff Keighley's thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to send out, you know, like the head of Bandai Namco, and he's just going to apologize and announce that Elden Ring was just an Eladbert tax dodge. Tax dodge, <laughs> really? Yeah. More of yeah. a tax parry, I think. Um, Maybe. Boy, that's, yeah, that's a tough, tough <laughs> announcement, but I guess it's going to happen. Yeah, it's d- going to happen, 100%. Sorry, to, guys. It had to be said at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think more for like the Nintendo stuff. Uh, there's that Donkey Kong rumor yeah. about like a new TD game. Um, so I think that'll make an appearance. It's the 40th anniversary, which at this point, Nintendo just has an anniversary every couple of years for something, as right. a, which is convenient. You can just kind of toss in stuff. I also think like, especially with looking at this calendar, um, a, a lot of things right on the Breath of the Wild 2 thing on where that lands, if it's even making an appearance in 2021 or 
early-ish 2022, because they did mention it's mostly 2021 stuff, but mostly means there's some stuff that's 2022. So I, I could see BotW being a little bit further off. And if that's the case, there's not like a lot down the pipeline. Obviously, Pokemon is huge, but again, Pokemon Company, not technically Nintendo. So mm-hmm. I think that could be their big marquee thing, sort of like a few years ago um, with Luigi's Mansion having a pretty big presence uh, at both the booth and also like, at Treehouse and on stage. That's sort of like a, and I love Luigi's Mansion, but it's like a B tier kind of thing. It is exciting, but it's not quite as popular as like the marquee stuff as the Mario's and all that. So I think Don Kong kind of lives in that realm. So it'd be a good time to do that. Maybe some fun collabs. Um, I also think we'll see a little bit of Splatoon 3. Maybe like a new mm. mode um, and a Splatfest for no reason. <laughs> okay. All right. Love it. <laughs> the no reason Splatfest. That's what they'll call it. Yeah. Reason versus no reason. It's the big new Splatfest competition. Oh my God. That'd be so good. <laughs> I mean, they already had Chaos versus Order. So it's like the same thing. Yeah, but... you're right. It's the same. Um, I asked on Twitter if anybody had any predictions and there's some, there's some fun stuff. Uh, some Hold on. Whole... Let me say, let oh, me yeah. say uh, the word Silent Hill. So okay. that you can be we seen can as a genius. Good job. Okay. Just... <laughs> Just shrug Silent Hill. I mean, I, two, a remake of two, maybe, since they already kind of remade one. I don't think that's a terrible prediction. I think some Konami project with some other developer working on a Konami IP, even like Microsoft putting it on their stage, I think that's that's a that's a potential winner. There's, there's been rumors swirling around Silent Hill for a while, but they're just all disparate and weird, so it's hard to it's hard to be specific, which I know is fun with these predictions, but I don't know, maybe a two remake on if I'm going to put a pin on something. Sure. So on Twitter, yeah, we asked for predictions and we got some. Uh, Lucas is strongly predicting we're getting that Dino Crisis reboot slash remaster slash spiritual successor from Capcom. Yeah, I don't know. There was that leak, what, last year that said everything about Capcom and everything they were thinking about making for the next five years. And I didn't dig through that, but I don't think Dino Crisis was on the top of that stack. So sorry, Lucas. Um, let's see. Donnie said, might as well go wild. Elden Ring gameplay and George R.R. Martin talks about what he did for it, then reveals Elden Ring and Winds of Winter release dates. You heard it here first, Jeff. Um, that's we're getting so everything. much. Go. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, where he did, that's where he announces the book release date. That's so funny. I mean, do you think <laughs> that Jeff Keighley will get the... Elden Ring reveal. I mean, he had the Sekiro tease. Like, he has a decent relationship with from software. If it exists, that's where <laughs> yeah, we'll see I'm it. You maniac! It exists. <laughs> it's happening. Not buying it. No. All right. I think mm. I think we could. We'll, eh, we'll see a teaser trailer there at the Keeley thing. Um, let's see. Apple here on Twitter says we'll see a Fallout related announcement, either a remaster or a spinoff title. Which at first I was like, no way. But honestly, like Fallout New Vegas remaster just getting some studio to give that a new shine i could see that being a fun one for microsoft i think now. we'll definitely see some remakes and remasters like they've just been so popular over the years um and it's like I feel like the perfect for lack of a better term filler i know they do take work to make so i don't want to yeah. discount that but you know i i think i just my thing is i'm not sure what makes the most sense for that um at this point so i could go like a number of ways yeah uh ian says bloodborne 2 Keep dreaming, Ian. Uh, from software is busy, and also Sony isn't going to be there. Uh, Scott says, Legacy of Kane reboot. Fingers crossed, buddy. Leafeon reminded me that I should be excited uh, for Perfect Dark gameplay. Oh, yeah. I I can see them not even touching on Perfect Dark. I can see that being a 2022 game, and they're going to want that to be the star of the show next year. So I'll get my expectations in check there. Uh, Hazador guesses or wants to see The Outer Worlds 2 as the big reveal. Um I think Obsidian's too busy for that. They still got some time. Sorry for just looking at all these and saying, nah, not so much, internet. <laughs> yeah, just say no. Uh, the DLC just came out too for Outer 
Wait, Outer Wilds 2 or Outer, Outer, Outer Worlds, Worlds 2? Too. Is that right? World. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. Worlds, the DLC came out really recently, so yeah. I don't think so. They're set. Uh, Noah predicts Bayonetta 3 gameplay reveal. Not bad. That don't. could happen. Yeah. That could happen. The old legend. Uh, Christopher Castillo uh, guesses Ken Levine's new game will finally get revealed. It's been a long time coming for these narrative Legos, but I could see 2K announcing the new Bioshock location. And then they'd want to sit on the Ken Levine game just so they aren't trying to promote those two at the same time. Not that they're going to be in the same world or anything, but like, I don't think they want to promote a Bioshock and a Ken Levine project at the same time. So I can see like logo and environment reveal for the new Bioshock from Cloud Chamber at one of these things. Probably Jeff Keighley's thing. I think a lot of these things, when you don't know where they're going to go, it's like you look at Keighley's and it's like, yeah, it's a pretty good option for a lot of these folks. So could be. Um, okay, thanks everybody uh, who sent in great predictions uh, on Twitter. We appreciate it. Um, let's see, Kyle. Do you want to clap out of here, dude? I would love to clap out if you don't mind. Thank you. I would not mind at all. Goodbye. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> hey, Leo Baker, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I was just riding a roller coaster. (laughs) Roller coaster from (laughs) Satan. Uh, Leo, we were just talking about E3 and celebrating E3 and all that fun stuff. I guess we didn't really mention what we're doing for E3. Like, we're streaming reactions. It's going to be a reaction palooza. I'm sure we'll have um, some bonus shorter one-off videos as well. Um, For the podcast itself, let us know in the comments if you want more than one episode of the podcast how many is the right level of podcast for that week you know we don't want to fry everybody's expectations but there's always a lot to unpack so just having the one episode of the podcast be six hours long i don't know if that's the best way to go about it so we'll figure out exactly how that works but for sure expect uh, reaction videos over at uh our youtube channel youtube.com slash minmax show and leo might there be a little something else there certainly is fans of e3 coverage i've been a part of in the past might be excited to know we're working on another uh, E3 Kings type series. Woo! A, a recap of all the conferences and everything with a humorous angle. And I'm so happy that Jeff Cork will be back to co-write. Woo! Fantastic. So we're planning on three episodes this month, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so shorter humorous video essays slash recaps is kind of the best way to frame that yes okay short form and if you have a good name for it <laughs> go ahead and throw it in the discord and if you have a good script you can just throw that in the discord as well <laughs> and a good finished video we could put our faces on that'd be great a good performance yeah, yeah thank you cool uh that's gonna be fun yeah it's i feel like for a while now you've been talking about like god what i would really love to do at my next year is collaborate with jeff cork again in some writing capacity kind of way and it's like oh this E3 thing seems like the perfect time to cross over here. Yeah, now's our chance. Cool. Just look forward to that on the YouTube channel, everybody. The week of E3. Um, Leo, did you get a chance to see any Far Cry 6 stuff? Did you see like headlines or anything out there? I saw screen caps of uh, the dude's face. Okay. Giancarlo Esposito's face. Yeah. And it's looking good or? Looking handsome. Yeah, good looking bloke. Uh, but yeah, they had the big gameplay reveal last week for Far Cry 6. Um, Jeff or Janet, did you watch it? Yep. All right. Janet, what'd you think? <laughs> I know you haven't played a Far Cry More. before, right? <laughs> Correct. So, uh, but from what, so it's, it, it feels in keeping with everything I know about Far Cry, which is very little. Uh, uh-huh explosions with the political black drop and you know this was more of the same you know they highlighted um you're choosing your character it, it had a little bit of narrative 
um, highlights to it. It also started with a 30 minute countdown. I feel like we got to shout that out. It was like, it's starting now. 30 minutes from now. Um, (laughs) The music was good, though. I'm not going to front. I was like, all right. Um, But yeah, it highlighted a lot of goofy over the top weaponry, uh, some of which was based on like researching uh, guerrilla fighters and things like that. But it also has stuff like a makeshift jetpack. So I'm like, I don't know how how true to life that part is. Yeah, it seems like uh, the most exciting thing about what they showed for me was like the tech, like it's very cobbled together tech because it takes place in Yara, which is basically a depiction of, of Cuba. It's just kind of got a cool, just technological front all around where it's kind of got the thing of like, all right, it's going to be a lot of cars from the fifties, like in Cuba. And then a lot of the tech is going to be, yeah, you have a jet pack that you're upgrading and you can fire rockets out of it. And then a lot of the weapons kind of looks almost like, Metro-esque, just kind of cobbled together yeah. huge chunks of metal. And then one of the There's crazy... a gun that shoots CDs. <laughs> like, Leo, they literally have a gun that shoots CDs and they're like playing the Macarena as they're launching it at people. And people uh, during the live chat for a reaction video for it uh, were screaming like, oh, this was in Far Cry New Dawn. And went back and looked at it and Far Cry New Dawn had like a saw blade shooter. <laughs> so it seems like they just kind of yeah. took that idea and just like put a CD in it instead and it looks sweet and you get to also, play the Macarena. there was an alligator wearing a shirt. That's true. We really buried the lead. There's an alligator wearing a shirt and literally a dog in a wheelchair that you can get as your buddy, which is, you know, every franchise needs a cute baby thing now with huge eyes um, in the wake of Baby Yoda. And so Far Cry's yes. gunning for it hard with a literal dog in a wheelchair, which you know, I, I tweeted about it from the Min-Max account, but like uh, it is a weird bit of history because one of the early ideas for the little sisters in Bioshock was to make like we need this creature or this thing to be the most sympathetic character possible and one of the early ideas was let's make them a dog in a wheelchair because that'd be so sad (laughs) that you have to like harvest them and like ah, it's a little over the top and now in a more real world version of a game like far cry they're like all right let's go ahead and take a dog in a wheelchair for this ultimate sympathy angle but (laughs) But hopefully you don't have to mercy kill like far cry 2 (laughs) it'd be nice yeah spoilers no i'm just kidding i'm not gonna play far cry 2 (laughs) But yeah, October 7th is when uh, Far Cry 6 is coming out. They they put a date on it, and um, yeah, it's I feel ready for a new Far Cry. I was excited by the end of that gameplay presentation because there's definitely been phases of Far Cry where I'm burned out. Like during this presentation, they mentioned uh, Far Cry New Dawn, or actually I think that was just the chat mentioned Far Cry New Dawn, and it was a moment of like, oh my, I completely forgot that that game exists. Like there were so many Far Cry iterations so fast between the DLCs and standalones, it's all over the place. Yeah, that's the series has kind of felt to me like Assassin's Creed when Syndicate came out, where it's like games will come out and people will like them, but they've been doing the same thing for a while and are mm. kind of due for uh, reinventing themselves a little bit. Does it seem like this is doing that or is it more of what Five and New Dawn did? It seems to kind of be more Far Cry, but maybe it's just a matter of that gap. And, you know, the nice thing about Far Cry is a new setting is always interesting. Um and they're making a distinction this time around. And it's just an interesting sign of the times. And I'm very into corporate messaging and marketing from, from game publishers here. And so they had a big post uh, last week where they said uh, the narrative director here uh, for Far Cry 6, who also worked on The Division and Far Cry 4 and AC Unity, uh, he had a big blog post where Jeffem, the opening sentence was, our story is political. Did they italicize is? <laughs> uh, I don't <laughs> think they tell size is. But yeah, definitely from the reaction of Far Cry 5, where a lot of people were being like, You cowards, you like have this 
huge political setup and then don't take a stand and don't do anything. And so in America, where the only politics happen on the planet. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, for this one, then uh, the narrative director says, our story is political. A story about a modern revolution must be. These are hard, relevant discussions. Oh, there are hard, relevant discussions in Far Cry 6 about the conditions that lead to the rise of fascism in a nation, the cost of imperialism, forced labor, the need for free and fair elections, LGBTQ plus rights, and more within the context of Yara, a fictional island in the Caribbean. My goal is to empower our team to be fearless in the story we were telling, and we worked incredibly hard to do this over the last five years. The conversations and research done on the perspectives of those who fought revolutions in the 50s and 60s are beyond and beyond are absolutely reflected in our story and characters. But if anyone is seeking a simplified binary political statement specifically on the current political climate in Cuba, they won't find it here. I could find it. No, I'll find <laughs> it somewhere in there. Um, You're just not looking hard enough. No, I mean, I, I think this is... It is nice for them to mention this, even though it's kind of obvious. I mean, all if you're doing if you're doing anything, pretty much at any time, it's inherently a little political. Um, I think a lot of times when people hear political, they think literally where you land on specific legislation. But political is so many more things than the like nitty gritty of laws. It's also like you know how we just societally function. So yeah, inherently, like most of these games are political or have politics as a huge backdrop and plot point um and even in this post it's interesting because it's it makes the point of saying we're drawing on politics but also not saying anything so right. it's i don't know i feel like it's sort of just at least an acknowledgement though of the political element i don't, I don't really take away a whole lot from this i don't think this means that the story is going to be necessarily more political quote unquote than we've seen in previous far cry games but it is nice to at least acknowledge Yes, a game about a revolution is inherently a little bit political, even right. if it's not trying to land on a certain message. And that's just, I mean, that's a fascinating thing just from a game industry standpoint is even if the game is as, you know, political as previous entries of Far Cry, just the fact that for the last Far Cry, they can say this game is not political. And then the, for this one, they say this game is political. It's like, it doesn't really yeah. <laughs> mean anything. Like the game is no one knows what the hell that means. Yeah. The PR has redone the calculus on yes. what they think people want to hear, and now and now they've changed that messaging. But whether that actually affects the story, like if if they you know talk to people who are in actual revolutions and they can kind of pull in any of that history or any kind of insight, that would be great. But I'll wait until we see the final product before, because it be there have been plenty of games that have that have had this kind of setting and you've had characters being like, we work too hard and they're, you know, they're oppressive and authoritarian and we need to overthrow them. And that's like, as far as that kind of messaging goes. And you, you can say it's not political. You can say it is political, but it, there's not a lot of introspection there or a lot of, you know, things to, to actually invoke, you know, thinking about these, these kind of issues. And so I hope it, I hope it goes beyond that. I think I'm grateful it's being included in the messaging no matter what, though, just because it's working towards normalizing. It's OK Politics. that a game is yeah. political. You know, yeah. it's like a game. Your art can say something and you don't have to get mad about it. You know, like right. it's they kind of have to set that tone of what the conversation about their game will be about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it has the um, an interesting little tidbit. It's the same director as Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. And he's been working on like Assassin's Creed for a long time, but this is his first return to the Far Cry series since then. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, October 7th for that one. Maybe we'll see more at E3 or maybe they just got it all out of the way because they have other stuff to focus on. But um, that reminds me, 
Leo, how does this whole thing operate? You still don't know? I don't know. Tell me, that's please. That's embarrassing, dude. I know. It's Patreon supporters. Oh, that's right. We exist because of people going on Patreon and unlocking wonderful benefits like even at that $2 tier, they can compete in Trivia Tower. They get access to the Discord. That's kind of a one-and-done thing combo pack there. They can also submit questions to this show, submit comments to The Deepest Dive, unlike the podcast version of The Deepest Dive. We're still in the middle of covering Mass Effect right now, but we are actually creating the best, most thorough discussion about Mass Effect 1 on the internet, thanks to everybody's support and wonderful comments fueling everything. You know what else they're going to be able to get is at the $10 tier, they're going to get of my long, giant editing streams for the E3 videos. Oh, that'll be really fun, actually. That'll be cool. That will be cool. Yeah, so check that out. Um, which also reminds me that this week, MinMax is once again supported by our friends at Rainmaker.gg. Rainmaker is the all-in-one platform for streamers, developers, and publishers. If you're a streamer, Rainmaker gives you insight into your channel's performance and a full suite of streaming tools, including overlays, tipping services, chatbots, alerts, and more. For devs and publishers, Rainmaker provides powerful tools that help you analyze game performance and discover creators on the world's biggest streaming platforms. Head to Rainmaker.gg MinMax, or you can hit the link in this episode description to get started. Also, thanks to our friends at Fixture Gaming. Uh, they have the Fixture S1 Switch Pro Controller Clip. It's available on Amazon and the Fixture Gaming website. It's available in gray. And it's available in red slash blue. It's $35 for this thing, but you get $5 off if you use the promo code MINMAX. And what this is, is it's Switch Pro Controller and a clip on top of that. Slap that clip on nice and easy, and then you actually have a mount for the Switch screen so you can play with the Pro Controller on the go. It's a, a very handy thing. So check out Fixture Gaming, the Fixture S1. Take a look at it. You'll probably want it. Uh, also, thanks to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. They want everybody to know that there's at least one video game that's close to your heart from an impactful, specific moment in your life. Call Me By Your Game is a podcast that dives into these very experiences. It's an intimate look at what makes a video game special for different people. On each episode, our host, Connor McCabe, sits down with a guest to discuss a special game from their past. They dive into what the guest loved about the game and also what was memorable about the time in their life when they first fell in love with it. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, and maybe someday you'll call me by your game. Call Me By Your Game podcast. The last episode is all about Planescape Torment, which is one of those games that I know I'll never get around to playing, but I love hearing about because it conceptually is the coolest game. So please check out that podcast because they're a big supporter of ours. Also, thanks to our fine friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know that the Manifold Garden soundtrack is available on vinyl in their wonderful online store. This is a double album with stunning architectural pop-up work by The Fourth Focus, and there are only 1,000 of these made. So if you go to I Am 8-Bit's online store, you can get the Manifold Garden soundtrack on vinyl, and it does include digital download as well. And the beauty is for anything under $100 in the I Am 8-Bit store, you can use a special promo code, Jeffum. Big promo code here for 10% off. And the promo code this month is Solstice. Solstice, as in summer solstice, but just the word solstice, all one word, obviously, for 10% off everything in iMateBit's wonderful online store. So please check that out. And iMateBit is so generous that each and every week they ship out a wonderful prize from their online store to a member of the MinMax community who supports us on Patreon and submits a wonderful question for us to answer on the show. So we're going to choose our absolute number one favorite, and that person wins a Pac-Man Record Store Day 7-inch vinyl. Uh, just a cool piece of Pac-Man art in honor of Record nice. Store Day. So I know there's a lot of Pac-Man fans out there. Leo, I see your hand shooting up to the moon. <laughs> but only one person can win this. The number one question. So look alive, everybody. Let's try to remember who it is. Ready to get to these community questions? 
Yes. Do it. Yeah. Janet, what type of community question are you hoping for here? The food ones. The food ones. Well, believe it or not, we got a couple food ones. <laughs> but we can yeah. start with the good food ones. Uh, Troy Ellison writes in. He says, hey, CLCs, it feels like a common sentiment that E3 is something like a holiday for the gaming community to celebrate and get hyped for new games on the horizon. So my question to you is this. If E3 was a legitimately recognized holiday, where would you rank it against the classics? It's a very uh, good question. Well, it'd be a week-long holiday, so that would that's pretty give good. it... Give it a lot of points for me. Yeah, I mean, people get excited about Hanukkah, but you got eight crazy nights here of gaming. So true. Fourth, Janet? Yes, it goes Christmas, um, Thanksgiving, Halloween, E3. I think it is up there with Christmas. It is damn close. When I think about like personal excitement, I enjoy Christmas. I enjoy my family. The presents... As an adult, eh, they're usually fine. Maybe I need to, you know, be better about telling my family exactly what I want. But here's the thing. E3 gives me things that I want that I don't have to ask for, that I'm surprised by. Whereas usually Christmas, you either ask for exactly what you want from family members and they give it to you, or you're surprised by something that's meh. Whereas this is just like conveyor belt of surprises and one of them's going to hit you hard, right? So there's a chance it's number one for me. I think it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, E3 for me. I think it's above Halloween. Okay. Halloween, wow. if I could still trick or treat, that'd be a very dope holiday. But as of now, it's like, I always feel like there's, oh, it's Halloween. I got to hurry up and figure out something to do, you know? Candy, they have candy sales. Stuff is spooky. The the pumpkin cream cold brew is in season at Starbucks and you get to <laughs> dress up. You can dress up for so E3. I movies yeah, on. I dress up every day. Mm. <laughs> I'm with Janet. I'd say fourth. Fourth? God, that Hell seems yeah. low. That seems too low. Also, I just need to point out that Aaron T watching us live at the Backstage Pastor here on Patreon it just has to let us all know five Elden Rings. <laughs> Very good. Perfect. Um, well, now it's number three. Okay. No, but if, if we added a food element to E3, then I could see it moving up higher. There is if a there food element. there was like element. a traditional food yeah. that goes with E3. It would be like Donut also, the King. the season... This, the season Donut of E3 King. is not that enjoyable. No offense to this current time. Right. But the season is a lot of like confusion. The schedule is slowly pouring in. You have to be like ready. Mm. But then then you're like, they said this this day. So this must mean this for E3. Like the fun of E3, it is, it is a blast when it gets going. But the sort of weird lead up is a little bit... Uh, not a big fan versus all the other holidays minus Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving yeah. doesn't really have like a season. It just kind of happens. All the other holidays have like a vibe like Christmas time. You got the music going. If you're somewhere cold, like the, you know, the snow is more welcomed. Like there's, there's a, there's a feeling in the air. The feeling in the air of E3 is just Googling schedules. That's not a fun <laughs> feeling. I think it would come though. If it was a holiday, you know, people would be listening to video game music for the month of June. That would be helpful. If we, if we holiday fied E3 game music, what would we eat? Like Doritos? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Doritos, yeah. Mountain Dew. And then this is the anthem. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just the giant mom yeah. lockdown song. That is that is the E3. You put on anthem. Imagine Dragons for the E3 season. <laughs> I guess that could also work. <laughs> also, hey, if you're listening, if you're listening, Tim Burton and Disney and um, Henry Selleck, this is your Nightmare Before Christmas sequel. Is you make E3 a world that Jack Skellington has to go to. 
Anyways, hey, Morn writes in and says, Hey, Man Maxers, my question for everyone is, what is your opinion on gaming journalists hosting video game events? Do you think it is appropriate for individuals to write reviews for games after they are essentially on the payroll for the developer slash publisher? I've been thinking about this a lot with the announcement of Greg Miller as the host of E3. Interesting topic. To be fair, um, I don't think Greg Miller is sitting down and writing reviews. That would clearly be over the line if he's getting paid yeah. uh, by a specific publisher and then asked to sit down and write a review. That's a big red flag, but that's not exactly what's happening here. Yeah, that that kind of goes... We had a conversation before about where the journalism line ends and more, you know, just kind of personalities or streamers or whatever begins. And I'd say if you're... If you're out there working for yourself, if you can get a job doing something like that and you're not, I I would also say no reviewing a specific thing if you've gotten paid by that company. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's, it doesn't, not every, not every journalist in the video game space has to be the most important, serious, quote unquote, unbiased person in the world. There's room for that shade of gray influencer. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know that it's a, a shade of gray as much as just you can enjoy things and still talk about them and be informative about them. Yeah, just, just as, as long, long as, as people aren't just as long as people know if you have if you have some kind of monetary influence in the past or whatever. Yeah. yeah, all that matters is that people who like Greg Miller, if they miss that he did this and then go see him, what is he doing again? He's hosting <laughs> E3. What's confusing about this, the Leo? Thing? Yeah. He's so just... if he ever talks about a video game again, he has to say, I hosted E3, full disclosure. <laughs> and then it'll be fine. Yeah, basically. I mean, I think, um, and I actually don't know all the details, even though, like, I, you know, do stuff that's kind of funny. And, like, Greg was like, I'm doing this thing. I didn't ask, like, so when you get your check, like, what does it say on the name or something? Because I think the other thing, too, is there's a difference between hosting an event where um, developers and publishers are involved and hosting something, like, specific from that team like a um you know i'm just making up an example like a smash bros showcase or something really yeah. specific where it's like one publisher like i honestly imagine that i'm guessing the people who got the talent like the three hosts that are there for e3 i don't think it was like oh ea is solely paying for like this one specific person or something so right. i think that also changes it um and then you know ben as you mentioned like writing a review is different than like, you know, jumping on a podcast and doing a review. And and as people already mentioned, ultimately it's all about just having transparency with yeah. whatever you have and making those judgment calls. Like for those who do follow like kind of funny's content, you'll notice that like Greg didn't review formally review book snacks. He wasn't on that review podcast. I don't think at all because of uh, pop agendas, like involvement with that game and that being his wife. So he's like, yeah. I'm just not going to be involved. But then that also starts to get, you know, can get blurry in the sense of, um, I know sometimes people like don't want to review or talk about any game if they know someone working on the game. But the longer you're in the industry, the more people you meet and where it kind of you have to kind of decide and make that a judgment call. Like, is it that deep that it would affect you? Or is it like someone that I casually know happens to be credited in here because they did this one specific thing? Like, right. I think sort of stuff fluctuates. And uh, yeah, it's just about like making making calls, being transparent and also deciding what you want for your career. Like, yeah, you can be a little bit more on the personality content creation and or on the like reporting end and i think a lot of times reporters don't do a lot of hosting work because they seem more focused on like the reporting aspect of the umbrella term of games journalism yeah, yeah if, if jason schreier was hosting e3 
I, I would probably feel a little different about it. But Greg Miller's a host. Why, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you hire him to be a host for this kind of thing? And why wouldn't he accept a paycheck for hosting something like this, you know? Right, right. And it's not like it's, yeah, a hidden thing. I think that transparency is just key yeah. for all this stuff. And it's like, if any people in that community are just outraged at that idea, like, you know, they can go find somewhere else. But as long as they know exactly what they're dealing with, I don't think there's too much harm done here. Or really any. Um, Doreen Clyer writes and says, Hey, CLCs, everyone talks about the big reveals and big trailers when it comes to E3, but what's the most underrated part of E3 that y'all don't think gets enough attention? Underrated parts of E3. I mean, outside Indie of... game stuff. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of like the PAX light angle or even just an opportunity to kind of package all these indie games together for the good old indie sizzle reel. Yeah, like, I mean, I there used to be, I forgot the name of the event that happened, like, in E3 2019, but, like, the it's, like, a little indie showcase event that happens, like, down the street from E3, and I went to that, and it was, like, one of my favorite parts of it, because it was so um, hands-on, and there were so many different games, and, like, that's the first time I, like, I talked to the people that were, like, involved in Blood Roots and games that I later saw on Apple Arcade, and I have mm. this big stack of business cards of games that either have come out and have been really, you know, well-received or still are down the pipeline, and... Uh, for me, that's some of the most exciting stuff, like getting to talk to the people who are involved, play their game. And it's also was like a really nice casual setting. Like you could have like drinks. There were people around. Like, it just felt very friendly and fun and very like hyper game focused rather than like conferences are absolutely my favorite part. But, you know, it is a lot of I'm watching and you're either watching and you're writing everything down or you're live reacting and you're immediately talking. It's a lot of like capital C content versus like that is a lot more chill and, and game fo- play focused. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, people talk about it, especially with the digital E3, like what we're missing out on a lot of it's just kind of like the developer interaction. It's like a, a real thrill of E3 is walking around that show floor and just seeing developers talking to each other. And yeah, back at Game Informer, we tried to have like one-on-one developer filmed interviews and stuff, but that's like the amazing part. It's like, oh, letting these people get a chance to talk to each other. And obviously GDC is big for that as well, but just... I guess making everybody a little bit more approachable because you never know what could come out of that. You know, like you look back at stuff like um, Hyrule. <laughs> oh boy, help me out, Janet. What's the what's the dancing Zelda spinoff thing? Cadence of Hyrule. Cadence of Hyrule. Thank you. But like the origins for that were a little murky. But the most they really said was that like, oh, it's just Anuma met some of the developers at a bar. You know, and it's like uh, who knows where that happened and when. But that's the type of thing that could come from just a big developer just drinking somewhere at an event like E3 and then these connections happen and it results in really cool indie teams getting to make awesome games. Uh, Connor McCabe writes in, which, wait a minute, is this the same Connor McCabe from the Call Me By Your Game podcast? Anyways, Connor writes in and says, hey, cool cats, what are some pieces of art slash media that you all hold in your back pocket for moments when you're feeling particularly down or stuck? I just watched Bo Burnham's new Netflix special Inside that he wrote, shot, composed, and edited himself, and it was very inspiring. It felt so freeing to watch. Some others for me are Tim Robinson's I Think You Should Leave, Jeff Rosenstock's album 2020, and Kurt Vonnegut's The Sirens of Titan. Oh boy. Sirens of Titan is a lot to chew on when you're feeling down. Um, Yeah, does anybody have a go-to thing for when you're feeling down? Uh, 30 Rock (sighs) rewatches. Yeah. You'll find... That's when I'm most depressed is when I start another 30 Rock rewatch. And then it's just all uphill from there, baby. <laughs> Leo, I think about this more often than I should. Um, but I think about one time you were watching 30 Rock and you like just filmed off screen with your phone 
just to capture one joke from 30 Rock. And I'm trying to remember, it was something about like Tracy Morgan and, and or Tracy Jordan and like dot com sitting around and there's you hear a ticking clock. Do you remember this joke, Leo? Can you walk us through it? Yeah, it's just they're sitting, there's a loud ticking clock as they say nothing. And after like five or six seconds, Tracy goes, damn it. Why did I get such a loud pacemaker? <laughs> what I loved about that is you just filmed yourself watching that clip and then you laughed like a maniac. And what I loved is like, that's so genuine and so rare to like, you clearly were watching that, laughed like a maniac, then rewound it, took your phone out, filmed it and still laughed like a maniac the exact same way. <laughs> Yeah, it's that Perfect. good. It's that good. That's the beauty of rewatching it is I still enjoy it just as much and always find new jokes. Yeah. I didn't remember. Does anybody else have a go-to? Uh, I'll, I will watch The NeverEnding Story and Goonies until the day I die, I think, and <laughs> just enjoy both those movies so much. That is very classic both, both, man of your age. Yeah, both for nostalgia reasons, but also as I grew up, especially the never-ending story, like, I think just has such positive themes and stuff that when I watch it now, I think, like, man, I'm really happy that I saw that as a kid, and, like, those were kind of, like, I'm sure I internalized that to some degree, and and I can appreciate it even now more, though, um, and will force my kid to watch it oh, someday. I've never well. watched either of those. Are you his yeah, kid? Yeah, I'm old, so you're <laughs> off the hook. But you can have a of course, things that are old, though. That's the thing. Like, maybe I should add this to the queue. For me, it's like the... I also do sitcom rewatches all the time. I don't know if that means I'm always depressed. Let's not explore that today on <laughs> okay. this episode. Let's cool. save it for later, Patreon <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, a lot of the sitcom stuff. How I Met Your Mother, Friends, uh, Seinfeld, uh, The Office. Uh, but I, I really love watching the Oceans movies, too. And Ooh, interesting. Oh, my God. Okay, I've never seen the Oceans movies. I understand really? that's insane. I should probably Any watch those. They're so good. No, never. I, I saw an ad for Oceans 9 not too long ago, <laughs> like on a DVD that I bought. It's a long story. The point is, I just was, I was like this avalanche, like what a, that movie was, should have been so huge. It's crazy that it's like that movie does not exist. Leo, you're squinting like you didn't know that this existed. Oceans 9? Yeah, it's with. They're doing Oceans 9? No, they already did it. It's like a jug. It's Sandra Bullock. Do you have the cast there for Oceans 9, Leo? I thought that was Ocean's 8. That was 8, I think. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Look, the point is Ocean's 8. <laughs> but it's weird. Yeah, Ocean's 8 was great. A lot of people said it wasn't good, yeah. and um, I got comments. It was good. <laughs> Leo, do you have the cast for Ocean's 8, then? Yeah. Run down that cast. It's insane. Uh, you know, you got Mindy Kaling. Exactly. You got Sandra Bullock. You got Helena Bonham Carter. Kate Blanchett. Anne Hathaway. Rihanna. Sarah Paulson, Aquafina, James Corden. I mean, who more do you need? Uh, I, it's just bizarre that the movie did not make more of a splash. Um, oh, yeah, but... It was uh, big on airplanes. It was one of those. Well, I wonder why that movie didn't make a splash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I love your Goodfellas. Uh, I mean, you're right. It totally is in that same ballpark of, like, Ghostbusters reboot where it's like, all right, all women, boo, down with that. Where's like, I heard wasn't that reboot actually bad though? Like legitimately the Ghostbusters. It had a one? couple jokes that I liked, but it definitely was not. <laughs> I have not thought about it since, and I don't think that's out of misogyny. Ocean's Eight, I yeah, I don't think really... so either. There, it is possible for there to be an all woman thing that's bad, but Ocean's Eight is that one of them. It was really good. Okay. Ocean's 8 had a lot of parts that I didn't like because they were just like doing scenes from Ocean's 11. Yeah, I will say it kind of falls in that. Now this is an Ocean's podcast. (laughs) It kind of falls in that um, that vein of 
maybe the people who don't like like Force Awakens because it's too reminiscent. Right. It is very reminiscent of like an older movie. But I mean, that's done intentionally. I think they have some fun flips. But if y'all want to do an Ocean's rewatch, hit me up. Next Patreon goal. Yeah, the commentary tracks. I'm so jealous, Hanson. Whenever you feel like you deserve to have a great time, just start watching those movies. Okay. All right. I yeah, they're there, all, there's they're no all chance fun. you won't like them. Uh, I love your Goodfellas one, though, Janet. Like, that's definitely one that I, once you get into that groove, you stumble across it on TV. It's like, all right, now I'm sitting pretty. You're like, on a flight, if I see they have Goodfellas, I'm like, I'll just watch the first 15 minutes. And then, all right, I got to watch the entire thing. It's just strange, dark comfort food. I think it's like my favorite movie ever. Yeah, great. Jeff, you got to be a big Goodfellas fan, right? You're, you're Mr. Yeah. Mobster. It, it's been a long time since I've watched it, and I have to make my wife watch it at some point, but... Uh, Let yeah. your wife watch um, it. Um, oh, yes. here's something sweet. Kill Slayer in the Backstage Pass chat, Leo, says, No joke, Leo's Who's Winning E3 series is one I go back to for a pick-me-up a lot. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Do you ever do that, Leo? Do you ever go back and watch your own stuff that's kind of funny because you get to see yourself in a good mood? I do. I there's yeah, especially when I'm like inebriated, I'll watch yes. some of my old stuff and be like so proud. And it's <laughs> it's like the first time I can really enjoy it is when I've it's been a year and I've forgotten everything in it. You know, can yeah. you enjoy it as as somebody just seeing it for the first time. I'm totally with you. Like, you know, if I'm a little bit bummed out and I've had a couple drinks or a glass of wine and it's like Saturday night, eleven fifteen. And I'm laying on the couch. I will absolutely put on like old videos that I was in or on. And it's a weird feeling, but it just makes you so much better. It makes you feel better to see yourself laughing. And it's like the moment of like, oh, that's right. I can feel like that. Here's a bunch of recorded <laughs> evidence of me having a good time. And, yeah, it's, and, a, it's a blessing of this job. I think it's like a missed opportunity to not revisit that stuff. Yeah. Um, Eric Merrill writes in and asks, what are the origins slash history of your screen names? I made Atacopi in sixth grade for my email because I like tacos and pie, but taco pee was taken. <laughs> All right, that's, that's good. I mean, that's what you need to do to come up with something that won't be taken in the future. Um, yeah, I, so I, Yosetti, I've talked about before. It's like my Twitter handle, um, but it's just with Age of Empires 1 playing online. I'm sure I tried like Ben Hansen. What do you mean it's taken? That name's so original. Um, and so then I was trying to come up with what's the weirdest name or word I could create here. And I came up with Yosetti. Hansen, do you remember one time a long time ago at GI when I was yelling at you about something and I called you Yosetti? Yes, I do remember <laughs> that. Of Hansen. That was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, and I was really embarrassed by it, and I still think about that all the time. I don't know why that has stuck in my head. God, I wish we knew exactly what it was about, because it's very much exasperated. Like, Yosetti, like, we can't Yo just... Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. Uh, but then before that, I used... Um, I was a pretty clever kid. So, like, early internet days, I used Space Goat as my name. Like, I think I saw the word scapegoat, and I was like, of course! If I rearrange letters, it's something cool. And it was good. kind of... Has anybody else got a good story behind their name? My name is usually Leo Vader, but sometimes it's leovader.com. And uh, when I was playing The Last of Us, there was a time where we had a group of three and we ended up squatting up with our fourth being this like 10 year old who was hilarious. And he kept reading my name, leovader.com, as Lavander Don. 
just really <laughs> running through it. And so a so couple formal. screen names since then have been Lavander Don. <laughs> That's perfect. And have you been Game Onesis forever, Janet? Um, I think I started that a few years ago. Uh, before that, I didn't really have a gaming username because I didn't, again, not a big online player. Uh, Game Onesis was, I want something gaming related. Uh, I wanted something that pulled off, that like was kind of unique sounding. So I took it from Dionysus or Dionysus, depending on how you pronounce it, because I liked mythology. Uh, and I like drinking. I do like wine, but I like beer probably more than wine. So I'm like, okay, Game Onesis. Dionysus, we're gonna put it together and it worked out pretty well. I get it on pretty much everything. If you're listening to this, please don't try to steal it to be petty, because that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they announce all the new platforms at E3, seriously, don't steal it. Be cool. <laughs> um, Luca Resigno writes in and asks, what is the happiest you've ever been playing a game? Whether it was overcoming a difficult challenge, playing a long-anticipated game on release day, or everything aligning just right. For me, it was playing Super Mario Galaxy for the first time with my son. The game, the music, everything about it was perfect. Not sure anything about that. Anything will ever top it for me. That's very good. Uh, does anybody have a go-to memory for the happiest you've ever been playing a game? The first thing that comes to mind, this might not still be the happiest I've been, because I'd have to think about it longer, but I have a really fond memory of playing um, Dragon Ball Z Budokai with my brother. We had rented it from Blockbuster. And we played like the hell out of it because it was our only time with the game. I remember playing until our hands hurt. And at the time thinking, wow, that's so much gaming for your hands to hurt. And if future me could not, like <laughs> looking back, I'm like, oh, oh, honey, that's going to be a lot of your <laughs> adulthood. But uh, yeah, a combination of that. And then this memory kind of blends together. But again, playing like Madden 03 or something on the GameCube as well or whatever year it was. And my brother, like he was off from work that day. And he bought a crave case of the little White Castle hamburgers. And we just, he got, we got a crave case. We went to his room and then we just ate little burgers and played Madden all day. And my nerd heart was so content. My small little nerd heart. So those are my uh, fondest memories. <laughs> grew two sizes that day. That's good. Like, I like the yeah. combo of food. I feel like that can really sink it in. Like, I think. It's 23 is missing. I think you're right. I, I also thought of like Super Mario Galaxy where it's like, I remember right when that game came out going over to best friend Ronnie's house, like his childhood home. And we had like just these small little pizzas from our hometown and like cracking into that game for the first time. It's like, this is, this is about as good as it gets. It's like jumping into a new Mario game where the reviews were like off the fricking charts. Leo, can you think of anything? I think if you measured my brain activity to chart happiness, it would have been the, the highest it would have ever been is for sure. Just like, some siege ranked match with friends mm. winning in overtime with like a full stack of friends where we're like come we've had plenty of great comebacks where we really had to work together and like the the digital handshaking that goes on after that of like you did so amazing there you saved my ass in that round that's like that's why i stuck with that game for so long is because that makes me happier than like anything oh i mean on that front we, we were kissing this game's ass a lot but i do feel like rock band is another one. Like, if you're in a good, drunken rock band groove, singing with your friends, like Beatles rock band, singing Get By With Help My Friends with your friends, like, wait, are you going to compare that to, like, playing some Metroidvania? Come on, get out of here. Like, you can't top that on the happiness meter. Yeah, that's peak gaming. Yeah, peak gaming. I would, I would also throw in Goldeneye, because that was kind of our, like, high school, every day at a friend's house after high school, just yeah. playing matches and matches of that forever. Yeah, Those for were sure. Good times. And then one time I played that with my brother and his friends who were in college at that point, and I got drunk 
which it was probably one of the first times I had gotten drunk as well. But then I played, I played Goldeneye against them, and I still just kicked everyone's ass. Way even, to go! And the whole time I was like, "I'm drunk and I'm doing better than you," and which I'm sure they all found very annoying. But for me, it was very interesting. <laughs> you sound like a really cool guy to hang out with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was a trick pick. Mike Sweet writes in and says, "Hey, I'm convinced video game series or oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm convinced video games will never end, but do you think you'll be alive when the final game in the following series releases? By final, I mean final. Pretend there's no chance of a reboot 30 years after you leave us. Simple yes or no is good enough for me, but feel free to explain. Thank you, Mike. Okay, so will we be alive to see the final, final, final version of these? Dragon Quest. No. No. And we're saying it could get rebooted later and we wouldn't count that? No, reboot counts as it living on. Everything's going to get rebooted. (laughs) Every single thing that you could list here will end and then be rebooted. Okay, like 100 years from now even? Yeah. I mean, look, Leo, I bet 100 years ago people were like, Felix the Cat is eternal. I mean, like, I bet people were really confident <laughs> about, I don't know, what what was the hot... When was the last time a new Felix the Cat thing came out, Hanson? Honestly, he will also right be now. rebooted. I mean, he probably... I'm sure he already... I'm sure it was, like, 2007. I bet you're totally right. Rebooted. Um, okay. So, so you're saying no matter what, everything will come back. Okay, what... I yeah. still want to hear him. <laughs> okay, Final Fantasy? Will anybody here no, outlive Final Fantasy? No. Yeah, no way. I bet Final Fantasy VII Remake won't be completed and we'll all be dead. (laughs) Okay, here we go. There was a revival of Felix the Cat in in 1953, if we all recall that uh, big moment. It was kind of like, yeah, it was a juggernaut. Um, And then in 2008, on Don Oriolo's Felix the Cat blog, there were plans in development for a new television series, a 52-episode series. But maybe that just never saw the light of day. That's really weird. Um, okay. Or it's just taking this long because it's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait for that new Felix again. Uh, Mario? No. No. Sonic? No. Yes. Ooh, you're going to outlive Sonic? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Even though I will say at the end of the presentation that just happened, they were like, because what is it, 30 years of Sonic, right? That we yeah. just hit? Was it 30? They said, uh, so like here's to 30 years of Sonic and here's to 30 more. And it felt like a threat. It felt like a threat. <laughs> it's an attack. I, I didn't like it. But yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to outlive Sonic. Why not? Um, not not if you count fan games, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Halo. I feel like I could maybe outlive yes. the last Halo. Hell yeah. That thing's spiraling the drain. I mean, uh, how long am I going to yeah. live? It, it best case scenario, 60 years. And that's like a Hail Mary. I, I don't think Halo will be around 60 years from now. Do like books count yeah. and comics? Mm, nah, I think I video think games so. only. I think video games only here. I think yeah, they'll they'll have a goodbye to Halo. They'll have a this is the last game. <laughs> Do you think? And then but then they'll reboot it two more times after that. Yeah. Okay. But even that. All right. Uh, Elder Scrolls. I mean, if they come out every thirteen years, I don't think we'll <laughs> outlive it. We'll always be between Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We'll measure our generational family leaps in Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Smash Brothers is an interesting one. Ooh. Because not to be dark, but we're probably going to outlive Sakurai. 
And will Nintendo break that seal of making a Smash without Sakurai is the question. Man, any... Nintendo's the dark horse of this entire line of questioning. Because mm-hmm. they... Because if, like, anyone... I could see any other company being like, all right, you know, like, Konami could be like, we're not going to make video games anymore, but we'll sell Silent Hill to someone else to keep making games. But Nintendo could just hold on to these things forever yep. in their little Nintendo vault mm-hmm. where they keep With all the, cats. the cat skeletons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Uh, good one, Mike. Thanks for making us think about our death for a long period of time. Um, speaking of death, Travis Brinkley writes in and says, Hey, man, Max, what are your thoughts on Knack? Um, you know, I, it, gets a, it gets a bad rap. I feel bad that Knack has been memified let's see i'll just keep talking and see how long jeffem keeps nodding i feel bad that knack has become a meme because even though it's not the greatest game we should support things like knack we should support sony funding double a different platformer type things and there are a lot of developers on that team that were really talented in the playstation japan studio i remember like talking to mark cerny name drop about like the team behind knack and he was talking about how like a lot of the artists had worked on shadow of the colossus or working on knack like there's there's a lot of good folks that put in a lot of time on that game and and it was fine people say that about uh you know cameo elements of power too right like i think there's a type of launch game that yeah people do just write off like that don't treat as a real game right yeah, and I also feel bad because that that felt like kind of Mark Cerny wanting to do like a a mascot game again, you know, and just kind of tell a fun kind of family friendly story, and it didn't it it didn't set the world on fire, and it wasn't the most amazing game ever, but it it didn't deserve the crap that it got. I think it would deserve the crap if it was somebody like a Cliff Blazinski coming out and being like, look at me, new mascot coming through. But the fact that it was Mark Cerny being like, hey, I want to creative direct a game. I mean, you know, it's been a long time. Marble Bandis was a long time ago. I, I don't know what the last game he technically was a creative director for. Probably Marble Bandis. But him Hatred. actually, what's that? Hatred. Oh, Hatred. That's, oh my God, that's right. <laughs> um, but like, you know, the fact that he's spent his adult life looking at numbers and photos of ears and stuff and he wanted to get back in the creative ring i think it was something to celebrate and he wasn't even as egomaniacal as to think that it was the new mascot for sony i talked yeah. to him before that game released and he's like oh no this isn't a mascot like mascots are dead in the game industry this is just this is just us trying something leave us alone a cute guy yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so leave it alone uh neck is the mascot for min max though we should have mentioned that uh puzzle writes yeah. in and says as a european i was extremely offended by your appetizer question mini burgers chicken wings jalapeno poppers nachos he says this is not appetizers this is fast food <laughs> wow look i don't mr. understand mr fancy europe I don't, maybe we have a different definition what's like a european appetizer a bougie like, appetizer i mean i like oysters but i feel like no one likes that guy who says oysters, so I wasn't yeah. going to say it. Yeah, it's, it's just it's probably like a plank of wood with some leaves on it. That's a, I don't know, that's a, that's rude. When I catered <laughs> events, the first one I ever worked at, the first appetizer I ever carried, I remember, was chorizo stuffed dates. That's a pretty fancy appetizer. That is. Uh, Puzzle asks here, uh, Pusel? I don't know, I'm sorry. Um, what country in Europe would you like to visit to eat some real cuisine, as he puts it? Um, 
I don't know. I don't even Italy. know what the cuisine is, to be honest. Well, it's all over the place. I mean, I've never been to Italy. Spain. Italy is the place to go, Jeff. The answer is Italy. Have you been oh, there? Yeah. Have you been to Italy, Jeff? No. That's on my bucket list. Of I'm actually stealing that because yeah. I also want to go to Italy. Yeah. I forgot. Jeff, that's shocking. Do you think you'll ever get to go to Italy? Do you think there will be a yeah. time in your life? Yeah. When? How, lo- how old not? will the kid have Let to be? Let me know when you're booking the ticket. We can go on the same flight. Right. <laughs> we don't have to hang out, but we can just sit next to each other, maybe. Well, yeah, like bring your Switch, you know, we'll be those people. Turning <laughs> <laughs> the Hanson, on. Hanson, why, why is that like such a... Because it seems like one of those things that sounds great in theory, but like, what is the age for your kid? We're going to be like, now we're packing up and taking a trip to Italy. What's the best kid vacation yeah. age? Um, yeah, I... I'm I don't care that much about whether he's enjoying it. Okay. Like I want to get past the I'm going to scream the entire time on the flight. Right. Once yeah. he's old enough that I can sit him in front of like a Pixar movie mm-hmm. and survive the flight, then we'll go and I don't care if he's not forming long-term memories of it. I'm forming the long-term memories. Right. He can watch. He's going to remember Luca more, the upcoming Pixar film taking place in Italy than he will the actual trip to Italy. Sure. Okay. Uh, Supreme commander of the Cyber Chihuahua Ninja Army, thanks for your support, I guess, um, asks, pancakes, waffles, French toast, rank them all from best to worst, Janet. Pancakes, waffles, French Um, toast. Okay, I'm going to assume that these are like the best tasting of each of these categories. No, no, uh, uh, I'd say this is this is straight up solid six out of ten for all three. Oh, okay. Then uh, number one is waffles. Number two is French toast. Number three is pancakes. That's correct. French toast, number one. Thank you. Pa- waffles, number two. We're like on the three. same. We're going to be eating waffles in Italy. I can feel it. <laughs> right. Ooh, Italian I can't, waffles. I can't fathom not having French toast as number one on the list. It's a different category entirely for me. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Belgian gourmet. waffles. Not sure. like your, not your Eggo, Lego my Eggo waffles. <laughs> sure. I take six out of ten French toast over nine out of ten waffles, though, is the thing. Ooh. I feel like French toast is so ambitious that when it's not that good, it tastes worse than a not that good waffle. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That was my rationale. I, I, yeah. Like, oh, it's going to. I hear you. You go to a sure. diner and try to order French toast, like a, like a crummy diner. The mm, thing is, no. I, I kind of like that. Sometimes when French toast is like not <laughs> greatly made and there's just like a chunk of fried egg kind of like attached to the side. It's kind of fun. It's kind of good. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Matthew. But it's number two. Good is is mine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Matthew Weatherly writes in and says, "Good day, Min Maxaroos. Do you all remember Excite Truck on the Wii? Of course, we remember Excite yeah. Truck on the Wii. Uh, he says it allowed you to listen to music of your choice while racing. All you had to do was upload songs onto an SD card, and presto, you had your own tailor-made soundtrack. My brother and I love this feature, and we try to surprise each other with new weird songs every play session. I seem to recall there was another Wii game that had this feature as well." That involved deep sea diving? Endless ocean? Maybe? I don't know. Um, anyway, my question is, why is this feature not used in any games today? And do you think it would be a welcome addition? I can imagine integration with Spotify and other music services being a big thing, but it doesn't seem like it is. Okay, so we can tell from this email that this guy must be pretty young because obviously he doesn't remember that the the original Xbox did that for every game. That was one of the coolest things about the Xbox was that you could upload your own mp3s to it or whatever or put in a cd i think Mm -hmm. it read them from and then have your own custom playlist for any game tony hawk games with your own custom soundtrack it was amazing forget about it 60 had that too we had it like a digital media center that it was connected to that it would stream music from that was dope and i think forza horizon 
had Spotify integration. I remember it's some, there's some game a couple years ago where they were like proudly, yeah, Forza Horizon 4 has the Spotify playlist. I think there's another Dangerous one. Driving? Ooh, that's Anyone? right. That's what it was. Yeah, it was such a weird choice for like being the proud, like we're the first to have Spotify integration, but I think it was Dangerous Driving. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why that went away. Yeah, it's odd. I mean, because you can put your music on the speakers yeah most consoles too have integration of the spotify app too like i was listening to spotify when i was playing the pathless on the playstation 5 like the pathless doesn't have mp3 upload options but i can just toggle over and have that running and like tweak it with the, the in-game audio so right, i think that's yeah. probably why it's not really there as much it is definitely a bummer to have it be like replaced with spotify something not everybody has or wants to have yeah uh hoots writes in we got a hoots question y'all he says, hey, dumb question. Uh, Squall's Gunblade in Final Fantasy VIII, is it cool or is it lame? Okay, Leo, here's what this is. This is a yeah. giant sword. Think of like Cloud's Buster Sword, but a little bit smaller. But then the handle of it looks like a pistol, and there's like a barrel on the bottom. And that's what Squall uses in Final Fantasy VIII. And I've never really thought too much about this. It's just, well, that's Squall's weapon. But do you think that's cool or is it lame? Mm. Mm. going off of just this information i think it's cool i think it's practical yeah you know it's funny <laughs> you know the this uh, weapon can be iconic like evil dead 2's you know chainsaw arm but it's mm -hmm. like he's just the same as holding a chainsaw you know but something that adds combat options bayonetta's gun feet for instance right these are the weapons that i find cool yeah like i think it'd have been a lot cooler if in the civil war on their instead of just like a bayonet on top of their rifles they just had like cloud's buster sword like sitting on top we all agree that would have made a cooler civil war right but yeah so the so this gun blade the handle is a pistol it kind of looks like a pistol handle from what i recall let's see let's but so so then yeah. you hold the sword by like a crooked pistol handle you hold the sword oh, yeah. by a crooked pistol swing handle. that sword uh video game magic he's really strong and good looking it's kind of his two things that he's got going. And it's kind of like the All cool right. well, weapon to use. Leo said it was cool, so I guess I'll have to defer to him. All right, there we go. Uh, Sean Mason writes in and says, Hey, CLCs, I have a fun story to tell you about one of my students. I took my honor students outside to observe nature. Afterwards, I told them to think about what they had just seen and jot down some of their thoughts. For homework, they were tasked with writing a haiku about nature. For the most part, I was impressed with their writing, but one student had the audacity to give me this haiku. Stillness of one's mind. A lone pebble alters fate, rising from the depths. On the surface, it seemed great, but it seemed a bit familiar to me. So I took to the internet, come to find out it's a haiku from Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I've seen plagiarism, but plagiarism from a video game is a first. <laughs> That's outrageous. That's uh, and then they asked, do you have any funny stories about plagiarism from when you're in school? <laughs> I was on the school newspaper in seventh grade, and I remember our editor-in-chief... Uh, wrote a ton of articles so we started to be suspect and google them and yeah a ton of them were plagiarized including like this Halloween cupcake recipe that's the one I remember catching her on for some reason I don't think we ever said anything about it but there you go are the cupcakes good? I don't know if anyone ever made them <laughs> <laughs> ugh that's damning um, yeah I, you ever do you hear those stories about like Joe Biden back in the day it's like 
God, was it the 80s? There's He had a long yeah. streak of plagiarism. And when you go back and like actually look at it, it is shocking. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Plagiarizing oh. like JFK. Like <laughs> people know who you're getting that and from. And it's like people clearly like first person stuff too of like, ah, oh, let me tell you a story about my life. Um, I, I remember... I was kind of a goody two shoes kid. And so I feel really bad about this, but maybe it's not that big of a deal in retrospect, but in ninth grade, I was writing a book report and I, (laughs) I remember writing in the book report, uh, like this, Oh, it was about shipping news. The book shipping news. Everybody remembers that. And I, I said, this book builds up a memorable web of characters that you are sad to say goodbye to when you're done. And that was fully lifted from GameSpot's Grim Fandango review that I had just read. <laughs> and I just put it in there. Hey, I maybe I was so petrified, like, oh, I hope Mrs. Haug doesn't Google and find this Grim Fandango review. But that's fine, right? That's not is that plagiarism, Jeffum? Uh or just lazy. Probably. Okay. Now, when I was when I was in the sixth grade, uh, I plagiarized a paper for it was some science class. I can't remember what it was, but the novelty of it was I copied like the definition from an, an old Encyclopedia Britannica CD mm. because that was before internet days. And it, it, it was like hilariously just scientific jargon, like the entire thing. And it was just a wall of text that I turned in and the teacher gave it back to me afterwards. And she, and she just wrote on it like, are you sure you wrote this whole thing yourself Ooh. with a question mark? And but I didn't get in trouble for it, but I felt bad. For you it. should definitely feel bad. So don't so don't if you have an old CD of Encyclopedia Britannica, don't copy any definitions from there. Okay. What am I supposed to do with all these old Encyclopedia Britannica CDs I've been <laughs> I holding <know>. to? <laughs> That's private information for yeah. you now. You put it into that Far Cry gun and you just start shooting. Hell That's yeah. right. Well, that's how they should do it. Instead of like putting on your own music into the console, you just put in your discs and you get more ammo for your gun. Ooh, like Monster Rancher, except it's just ammo. Hell yeah. Um, All right. What do y'all like for a question of the week? I like personally, if I may just shove my opinions down your throat, but that's what podcasts are for, Ren. I like the uh, E3 as a holiday. That was good. I like the game series death date question. I like the Me happiest too. we've ever been playing a game. I like the gaming journalist hosting E3 for a little industry stuff. Somebody have a strong thought this week? I like the E3 holiday one. It's fun, fun imagination at play there, you know? Yeah. What would that be like? Yeah. What, what kind of world would that be? What kind of world? Yeah, Janet, I see yeah. your slight nod. Yep. All right, there it is. Yes. Troy Ellison. Congratulations. I made it. We'll ship out that Pac-Man record store day. You can listen to it at any volume you want. Uh, and now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. All right, Jeffum. Wow us, dude. Get a load of this. Um, this was a Sean Murray tweet from seven hours ago. Uh, this was also in the Discord, full disclosure. Because I was running up short on uh, get a load of gets a loads of thises, but it just says reflections, fur, flying pets, refractions, rain and weather, more stars, bite beat expansion, parallel parallax, occlusion mapping, new warp effects, improved photo mode, new particle effects, improved light shafts, DLSS, and increased biome detail, and then a trailer of all the things that are out now for the upteenth no man's guy 
update that they have been working on for like five years for free just to make that game better. And that's super cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to do more crossover stuff. Like they, they put the Normandy in it for the timing with the launch of the Mass Effect remaster. But I wonder if that's an avenue of them being like, do we put the NBA in No Man's Sky? Do we start to go the Fortnite route? Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, I I don't know if I... I'm not proud of it, but I listened to every episode of Penn Jillette's podcast because just a while ago, I determined in my mind that like I really like Penn Jillette's voice, and now I just can't stop listening to that podcast for it. But on the latest episode, he talked about filming his cameo in the Borderlands film in Bulgaria. Or, sorry, Hungary. Is that the same thing? Anyways, the point is Hungary. Um, Budapest, Hungary. That's what I was thinking of. Budapest. Um, but he talks about being there with uh, Randy Pitchford, who he calls Mundane Randy. That's the big name for uh, Randy Pitchford there. And he talks about uh, how Randy Pitchford brought his drone and they were staying in the Four Seasons in Hungary. And they opened the window and took the drone off from the coffee table and then flew it out over the Danube River, Danube, and then came back and tried to fly it in. And they missed the window and just slammed the drone into the wall of the Four Seasons in Hungary and it crashed to the ground. So if you're wondering what Randy Pitchford's doing with his life, it's flying drones at night in Hungary. So it's a, it's a cool life. Uh, Janet, you got one? Yeah, uh, get a load of this. I'm not sure like how old this is or when it first dropped, but I w- came across like the Barbie website, like the dolls, you know? Yeah. And they have Star Wars Barbie dolls. Like what? It's marketed toward adults, like adult collectors. Like, and they label like this is for like the adult collector market because they're really expensive. They're like a hundred dollars a piece. You can get the full galactic gift set for two forty. But these are like the like dopest Barbie dolls I've ever seen in my life. I didn't even really play with dolls as a kid very much. I was more of a stuffed animal person. But like, it's basically like, what if you had a stormtrooper, trooper, but they were like super fabulous? Or what if <laughs> C-3PO was a baddie? This is what these, this is the world that we're in. And I'm kind of here for it. So please look at them if you have not seen them. They have a, like the fiercest Darth Vader I've ever seen. It's awesome. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, there's links below for all this stuff. Uh, let's see, who did we get? D- uh, Leo? Leo, get a load of this. It's a screaming combat mouse I saw in the Netflix original series Night on Earth. It's a nature documentary focusing on like night footage with super low light cameras. Yeah. And things. And it's, I've been liking nature documentaries lately. I feel like I didn't want to watch them for a long time because. I felt like they were going to be learning and I'm not really into learning, but it's really just watching random crap in nature. And it's very entertaining. <laughs> this is a great example of that. I don't, they do not say what this mouse is called, but it's a minute long clip of it fighting and killing a scorpion and then howling into the air. Like a wolf. <laughs> Except it's howl is just like a perfect F sharp. No, it's just one consistent note. It is such a funny thing to watch. It's amazing. Jeff, I think it's what happened in Moss, too. Yep, that's the final cutscene in Moss. <laughs> what have I done? But you got a community one, Jeff? Yeah, this one's from Mike Lynch. Uh, it is a YouTube video called Cardboard Bernini Official Trailer, um, and it's about a movie that examines the life and work of artist James Grashow as he spends four years building a giant cardboard fountain with the intention of putting it outside to dissolve. Uh, And when you see the fountain that he made out of cardboard, it's going to blow your mind. 
It's a guarantee. Click that link in the description, it, everybody. It, yeah. it looks like a very good um, documentary, but I haven't I haven't seen the actual documentary. But cool. the trailer itself is worth it. Yeah, they get a load of this channel in the MinMax Community Discord. It's just it's the greatest news feed on the internet. It's just a constant yeah. stream of people posting good, interesting stuff. So thanks to everybody who jumps in there and, and posts something good. Uh, let's see. Plugs this week. Uh, we have MinMax Plays coming up on Thursday, if you're listening to this or watching this very quickly, where, you know, as a reminder, every Tuesday and Thursday, we're streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash show. so we'd appreciate it if you shot a follow our way. Uh, this Thursday, Janet, you're going to be playing a game? Yeah, I'm going to be playing Yoshi's Island. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you said, <laughs> I was listening to you about it because I love Yoshi's Island. You said that was the first game you ever played? It's the first game I can remember playing. Okay. Uh, so, but it's pretty close to the first game I ever played. Perfect. And it's going to be great because you're going to be playing for a couple hours. We'll probably not get to the point where you have to do the long, long maze or whatever the hell that super rough level later in the game is. So you just get like the beautiful early sections of Yoshi's Island. I just so want to taste it, you know? Yeah, I get it. Uh, so you can check that over on our Twitch channel. Also check out the new episode of Crossfade, our music podcast hosted by Matt Helgeson. Uh, the episode coming out on Friday has Jason Graves on it, who's the composer for Dead Space, uh, the Tomb Raider reboot, a bunch of other great stuff in the games and uh, game space. And they're going to be talking about Rush's 2112. And I forget what the other album is, but uh, it's a very fun podcast. And there's been an interesting string of game composers jumping on to talk about you know, their thoughts on music outside of the video game arena. And it's fun to listen to. So check out Crossfade on your favorite podcast app. All right. Anybody else have a plug for anything big coming up? I want to donate my plug to the library. Get a library card and go to the library. It's dope. There it is. Libraries, everybody. And thanks to everybody at uh, the $50 tier on Patreon. If you support us at that $50 tier, we'll create a custom thank you video, whatever you'd like. We'll sing a song. We'll uh, read a poem, whatever you want. And then we'll also read your name on every episode of the MinMax Show podcast. And you're in the description of everything we produce. So thank you to Fixture Gaming, Call Me By Your Game podcast, I Am 8-Bit, Rainmaker.gg, Mirko Rico Torreno, Zachary Pluggy, Beaten Down Brian, Andrew Yukowitz, Jawar Hello, Real AFTV, Mark Seliga, Ludwig Roque. Leo, see if you can guess the next one. You said Andrew Vala already? I didn't, but he, he's actually just one away. So we'll count it, Leo. Andrew oh, Vala, yes. prettygoodprinting.com, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Pretham Yarlagata, Clayton Myers, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Slick Nick, and Jesse Vitelli. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go. Let's go.